That could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. You got the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. You feel these nipples. That boy is good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, January 15th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in snowy Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Cards fans. Are you ready to experience an online MBA that teaches you more than just business facts? Of course you are. We're talking about the UofL MBA's Team Best Cohort Approach, which gives you the skills needed to become uh, a sought-after working professional and an effective team leader. This, is, this program is offered 100% online. It's an MBA designed for working professionals who want to advance their career, broaden their business mindset, and distinguish themselves in the workplace in all just five semesters. If it sounds like an ideal situation for you, visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air from 3.05 until 6.00. Here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know, it says the Big X. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to all of you. If you're celebrating while still at work, thanks for spending some time with us. If you're celebrating while off work and you're like, I can't miss my guys. This is my show. I don't care if I'm not rusting away at the, at the, the station, wherever you're working and you're tuning in. Thank you for that as well. we got plenty to talk about. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus. Back in the house after a nice weekend, still working himself to the bone. He is—he's become the face of the Big X. You're, you're just—you're here all day, every day. If you have—if there's a program on, whether it's at 8 p.m. or or 7 a.m., you're going to hear Scoots' voice. He's going to be involved in it somehow. Scoots, how you holding up, buddy? I'm good. I, I had a nice weekend. It was—it's always nice to get the weekend to take off and just kind of reset your whole body. Although. I had a lot of work to do this weekend as well. I had three games to call. I had to work my actual hotel job, which never any fun, but <laughs> it, it was slow yesterday. So luckily I was I was able to watch I watched the highlight video from the Louisville game on Saturday just to get kind of caught up on everything. So sure. I had somewhat of an idea of what I was talking about and then I went home and watched some football. I did get to see my nephew play basketball this weekend. That was fun. I haven't seen him play a game yet and he put up 13 of his team's 15 points. So, Hey-o. yeah, all in all, I think it was a great weekend. And then they had another game yesterday. It was They were leading 30-5 to five at halftime. My nephew had 22 of the 30. That a boy. No big deal. I mean, he is destined for the league. How old right is he? Up. He is eight. Oh, nice. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I do remember those days because my nephew plays a, at Trinity. Like, like he's he grew up, and it was one of those where when he's playing in the little leagues when he's like seven or eight years old, like he's definitely scoring like 95% of his team's points. Mm-hmm. 
And after a while, you're like, okay, this is. <laughs> I see what's happening here. This, well, I love it. It, it makes fun. it a lot of fun. It is fun. Yeah. Um, kind of a fun show today because we've got obviously weekend recapping to do. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs. We'll talk about the U uh, of L game against NC State. The different conversation that has, I think, evolved out of the the team's last couple of performances. U of L women's basketball. Now all alone atop the ACC standings, but we've also got live sports happening because it's MLK Junior Day, and mm-hmm. you know the the Big East has kind of taken since like we were back in the conference. They've kind of tried to make this day their own. Uh, they've got we got Villanova Marquette going on right now. We've got uh, some a bunch of Ivy Leagues going games going on right now. Before we get off the air, we'll have some Big Ten games going. There's a hockey game on right now There's too. A hockey game going on, and then we're yeah. gonna have the NFL playoffs starting about midway through the show because of the. Monsoon storm, or monsoon is not the right word. The snowstorm, the the ridiculous cold, the blizzard conditions in Buffalo. They postponed yesterday's game till today, so we'll have uh, Steelers Bills going on for like the last half of the show, which will be kind of interesting to follow along. I'm pretty sure this TV that's just lying on the ground over here is not going to work for me, so we won't be able to watch it. But maybe we'll pull it up on the computer. I was talking to uh, somebody here the other day. I was telling him that we need to get that TV up before March Madness. Because you and John will want to use it. Yeah, last year, I mean, I, so. you know, typically, I, I think the last couple of years I've worked the Thursday and then I've had to take off. Because I'm, I'm writing about the NCAA tournament again this year, which is a lot of fun. I always love doing it, but it's a lot of work. And uh, having the TV up last year was a necessity on that Thursday. And then this year we'll we'll figure it out. I just don't know where it would go in here, honestly. Like, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot. Probably one of the corners. Yeah, the, the corners are a little small. Right yeah. there. And now we got, well, TJ's Brett Favre poster is taking up 75% of the room <laughs> here now. Which he's riding high, I'm riding high. We have, we're one win away from a, a, a KRC versus Mike Rutherford show NFC championship. Yeah. Which, I mean, I wanted the, the, the Packers in the first round over the Rams. TJ said he agreed with me. Looked kind of like the wrong decision yesterday because the, the Packers looked damn good going in there and just kind of rolling over Dallas in Jerry World. That was It was, it was quite the eventful weekend of NFL playoffs, and we got to, still two more games to go tonight. It'll and be, I'm, it'll a, be I'm a Steelers fan, for those of you that That's don't right. know, so... Yeah, I'll be. I may be a little checked out that last ninety minutes or so. I don't blame you. It's fine. It won't. It won't. Uh, you know, it won't be well, that much different and, than and any other show. Until we drop down. Wow, thanks. Until we <laughs> drop down about seventeen to three, then I might might lose interest. We'll see. I mean, you know, granted the condi- the conditions kind of make it seem like it's going to be hard to for one team to blow out the other. But well, so it's a big spread. They did clear the field. The field is completely clear. The stands, however, are not clear. I don't know. If, have you seen any of those videos? Of I fans? have. Oh my I've gosh! Seen a few of them. There was a game like three or four years ago where it was the same thing. Like you know, they they worked their ass off to get the field cleared, but the like in the stands, you've got like feet of standing snow, mm-hmm. and so you've got you know Bills fans are, like building their own personal igloos <laughs> in the crowd, and like you know. It, with it being the playoffs too, I, I feel like we see this scene in Buffalo at least once a year, where they're just like throwing snowballs on the field. Oh, the, yeah. the, the celebration thing is just everybody tossing snow in the air like confetti, which is always kind of a cool visual. Like it'll be fun to watch, or in our case, follow along online and try to find maybe a bootleg video on our computers. We'll figure it out. We'll, I'm bumped. It's also Iowa Caucus Day. We'll get Scooch's thoughts on on the Iowa Caucus for the next three hours. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll, we'll you know you'll make some predictions there. I'm not sure I know what that means. <laughs> of course it'll be fun we'll get to all that and of course we'll hear from you guys on the thornton sex line at 502-414-1450 um i feel like i have to start with the lions news right yeah. oh, absolutely I mean, go crazy i'm rocking the lion stuff today 
because for the second time in my lifetime, and really the, the first time that I can remember, I watched the Lions win a playoff game last night. I mean, I, I was six years old when the Lions beat the Cowboys in the divisional playoff back in the day when they only, only used to have, like, what, four teams in both conferences, and then they got thumped by the the – the, for, the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins in the NFC Championship game. But, like, I don't know if you're like me. I remember liking sports, and I remember, you know, obviously I've, I remember there's videos of me watching, pictures of me watching Louisville games and watching Lions games. and what, but Like, I don't have any firm memories. Like, I, I don't remember, like, sitting down and watching the Lions-Cowboys game. I may not even watch them. I mean, who knows? It's six, seven years old. You're being shipped around all over the place. I may have had, like, a, my own basketball game or something. And I, I, I don't know. So, like, I... Like, it, in all, for all intents and purposes, last night was the first time I've ever watched the Lions win a playoff game, and it was pretty cool. Like it was just a, you know, the nerves were building up all day long, watching the other games be such blowouts, and then seeing the Cowboys fall flat on their face got me a little bit excited, but also a little bit nervous at the same time because the you know the Cowboys losing all of a sudden you're like okay if we win we're hosting again next week and we're probably playing a team that is less challenging than Dallas seemed like it was going to be so the Rams coming in on the hot streak with the storyline of Stafford versus Goff with the Stafford coming back to Detroit for the first time like I, I just hated all of it and the more that we got closer to the game the more my old school Lions mindset just set in where it was like they're gonna F it up, like, you know. I, I just I, I was I had like a decent amount of faith all weekend long. I was like, it's gonna be tough, but like I'm, it's gonna be a close game. And when we got to kick off, I'm like, they're gonna lose handily. Like it's it's who they are, it's what they do. And they come out and they march right down the field and score a touchdown. And it almost made me even more nervous because I feel like whenever that happens, i.e. Louisville in the the uh, uh, Sun Bowl, or what, what was the the Holiday Bowl against USC just last month. I feel like you get your hopes up and you're like, damn, like this defense sucks. We may score 50 points, and then you end up losing. And I feel like it happens all the time to my teams. So seeing them come right back down the field, the Rams, that is, and getting a field goal was not ideal. And then seeing them come right back down the field and score a touchdown on the next possession, I was like, if we get into a shootout, this is going to be – I trust Stafford more in those situations than I trust Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. He's done it his whole career. And – the fact that the defense was able to hold them to three field goals in the red zone wound up being the difference in the game. Like that—that that was it. Because our offense did not much in the second half. Neither offense did anything in the second half. Nine total points. I was saying on KRC this morning. I went to bed at halftime, and I was really kicking myself for not betting the over. Woke up this morning, checked the score. I was like, "Wait, what? That's, yeah. that's all we did in the second half." You weren't alone to, to going in going to bed at halftime because. So we had it was a busy Sunday for us. Like we, it was my my niece's birthday. Shout out to Audrey, happy fifth birthday! And we, you know, they're, they're doing a, a big party, and so like we had Audrey for part of the day while her mom was setting everything up. And you know, I went around, picked up some cupcakes, picked up some stuff, and so like the party took up most of the day. I'm, I'm wearing the Lions gear to everything. Like, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm showing off, but so like I'm the only one. So I, we come home. I've got to quickly walk the dog to get back for the game. And while I'm walking the dog, Mary outfits all everyone gets their Lions gear on I'm like oh here we go I'm like, I'm like we got the game but it's still it's too late of a kickoff for the kids to stay up you've converted your whole family to Lions fans oh yeah oh yeah oh man Mary this is the first year where Mary's I think she's always like kind of got into it because she knew like I would be upset if they lost and she like on Thanksgiving she always cheered for the Lions but she never had real reason to pay attention because you know we sucked and but I think now like seeing 
so many of our friends have an NFL team, and you know, they get in, like especially like the Bengals being good the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. We have so many friends that are like now like going crazy and celebrating for the first time in their lives. I think she's seen that and she's thought like that was cool, and so she's been excited this whole year to kind of have a team to be attached to in the playoffs. But so like, we all have the Lions gear on. The game starts. We watch. I think the kids stay up for the first couple possessions, and then she gets John down, and then she goes back there and gets Virginia down, which she invariably will fall asleep when she's putting Virginia down. It's you know it's it's dark out there. You're in the bed. Like it, it always happens, and I I won't wake her up unless she tells me explicitly before I go in. Like if I fall asleep, like will you come out there and get me? Like if there's something we we'll watch together on TV. So it's very obvious at halftime that like she's asleep. <laughs> And the age-old husband husband question like comes up like do I wake her up from this like would she want me to wake her up and as the as the half is going on and it's becoming very apparent like we're not going to win going away it's not going to be like hey come watch the last five minutes because we're up by two touchdowns it's going to be like you're running the risk if you wake her up of, of waking her up and then having her watch the Lions lose so I'm like I'm playing it safe I'm like I'm just not going to do it I'm just going to let her sleep. So it's just me watching the Lions game by myself for the second half, like trying to make like muted noises, trying not to scream as much. And when it gets down to the very end, I'm convinced that we're going to lose by two. Like, like, when you see it playing out, I love that we held them to the field goal to make it 24-23, but our offense is doing nothing. We keep giving it like, – they're moving the ball easier than we are. It's like a basketball game where the score is right there, but it's very clear that one team is having an easier time getting buckets than the other one. And – so on the last drive, I'm just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to wake her up. I thought about it, but I'm like, they're going to kick a field goal. We're going to have one last fleeting chance to, to win the game, and we're not going to get it done. That's the way it's going to happen. And the least Lions thing of all time happened. One, we got away with a penalty because there was definitely DPI on the, the Puka, the, the long throw, mm-hmm. where just a little jersey hole that yeah. probably kept him from elevating and getting up enough to you know, make his 85th catch of the game. Big of you to admit that. Oh, it was. I mean, it was a bad call. We got screwed on the, the not calling the defense, the encroachment penalty that would have prolonged our drive earlier. So it's you know a little tit for tat, but that one was a it was a big miss call for sure. And then they did something weird, like Sean McVay. We they we get the holding call on them where we have the opportunity to decline and force them to kick a long field goal, and their kicker's not great, or we push them back to to third and fourteen. We run the risk of them picking up the first down and eventually scoring a touchdown. But if they don't get it, like it's like a 64-yard field goal. What are they going to do? Are they going to go for it on fourth and 14 or just punt it? And we get the stop. Like, like, and Sean McVay, who I think he said after the game that he regretted the move, goes and punts the ball, and then we get three field, first downs the game's over. Like that, it, was, it was such a non-Lions thing to do. And I was so convinced that when we, if, if we let them get third and 14 – that they were either going to pick it up right there or they were going to get like nine yards and go for it in fourth down and, and get it then, that I was like, let them kick the field goal. Like This is why the only reason why I'm not a head coach in the NFL, Scoots, is decisions like this. <laughs> uh, I was like, kick the field goal. We at least have a chance to win. If they score a touchdown, I feel like there's no way we're going down there and getting six. And it was Dan Campbell made the right call. The second down pass where I think most coaches in the NFL are like, let's play it safe, let's run the ball twice, let them use their two timeouts, we'll give them the ball with like 35 seconds left and trust our defense to keep them out of field goal range. And Campbell's like, no, we're throwing it second and nine. Pretty simple pass. Pitch and catch to Amon Ross St. Brown. First down, boom, game's over. And I was, I don't know if you're like me, like, well, you, you weren't watching live, but like, 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 there's still a minute, like 30 on the clock or something, and the Rams have a timeout. And Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth is like, it's not over yet. And and then like we come out after the timeout and take a knee. 
And like they're celebrating, they're going nuts. I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, do we screw the math up? Like, like I'm sure that they've got somebody on this, but I'm trying to figure out if we can actually knee this thing out, or if we're gonna have like if we're taking three knees and we're gonna have to punt it. And like everyone's celebrating, everyone's going nuts. I'm still like terrified that we've somehow done a miscalculation that we haven't done this thing right. But seeing everybody celebrate, seeing the Lions fans in the crowd crying, seeing you know the, the post game conversations and all that stuff, it was really really cool. I did kind of have a moment where I was thinking about like you know. All the terrible teams that I followed, all all the awful Thanksgivings, the playoff losses, especially the recent ones. You know, the, the Cowboys won in twenty fourteen was just insanely tough to stomach. The you know the, the other two in recent years, I say recent because the Saints was the twenty eleven season and the Seahawks was the twenty sixteen season, so not that recent. But those were blowouts. Like we never really had a shot in either one of those games. It, it's, I mean, nine game losing streak in the playoffs, the longest in NFL history, snapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, First time advancing in the playoffs since 1991. It's now the Reds, uh, all alone, as the longest team to go without advancing in a, in a playoff. So hopefully they're up next. Third time's coming. It, it just it, it felt good. Like you know, I've been you, you, you kind of I, I did enjoy too. Like Mike Tirico makes the comment after the game where he's like, if there's a Lions fan that you know and you want to text them, like go ahead and do it because it's the first time that you've ever been able to text a Lions fan that they've won a playoff game <laughs> because it's the first time it's happened. Since people were text messaging existed, and I had so many people that like I haven't talked to in, in years who were like Mike Tirico told me to text you, congratulations! Man. <laughs> like I think I'm the only Lions fan that a lot of people know. Like I think there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, I forgot Mike's a Lions fan. Let's uh, so it, it, people on online too, people I've never met who are reaching out, they're like, you deserve it. Like it, like that was very cool. Was, I think you're the only one I know. There are not a lot of us. Yeah. It is a. I'm always kind of shocked where. When I'm walking around, like th- there's a house that's kind of near us. If we take like a longer walk with the dog, th- I see that they always have like a Lions license plate in their driveway, and, like a Lions flag in front of their door. And I'm always like, "What's your what's your story? <laughs> like, 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 let's let's talk about how we we got to this point." Um, but it's very rare. Th- there was a, a funny story, like crazy, like kind of simple, awkward moment. Like two or three years ago, it's summer. I'm walking into Kroger. I'm wearing like a Lions T-shirt, and I I you know I, I hear this woman yell. And she's like, I can't really make out what she's saying, but I, I think it's something about like Louisville or Car Chronicle or like whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, thanks, you know, appreciate it. And she's like, what part? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what part of Detroit are you from? And I was like, oh no. I was like, now I've worked myself into this situation. Romeo. Yeah, for, for a split <laughs> second, I'm like, am I about to try and lie to this woman who very clearly is from Detroit? Like, am I, I going to be like, the east side? Like, you know, for a second there, I'm like, I'm like, how deep do I want to get into this thing instead of having to, like, you know, people are looking at this point. Like, we're shouting across the parking lot. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, no, I'm not from there. I just like the team. I was like, this is so embarrassing. This is this is so bad. And it's like, oh, I'm like, go Lions. Like, uh, like just kill me. Uh, but besides that, like, you, there are very few Lions fans interacting with each other around here. But it was it was nice. It, it was awesome to see them advance. And now, you know, like, all week long, I've been like, just get me one. Just get me one win in the playoffs. I, I want one more week to be excited about this and have something to look forward to. Yeah, you know, I feel like we're building something. We may not be right there as as legitimate Super Bowl contenders right now. But I felt like it was a team all year long that should have won one game in the playoff and broken the streak. And now that it's here, I'm like, we can beat, we can beat the Bucks or the Eagles. Do the Lions kind of feel like America's team at this point? I mean, I don't, I didn't talk to anybody today or or last night that was mad that the Lions won. You know, I mean, it was everybody was everybody's happy. They're they're all happy to see the Lions finally win a playoff game. Just feel like they got American team feel. They, they, you know, they are kind of like the lovable losers of the playoffs yeah. right now because like everybody else who's who's still in it, like very much has had 
success either recently or historically. I guess the Texans are kind of the one mm-hmm. not example, but the Texans I think people forget they're in the, in the playoffs. Like they're just they've they've you know they've done some stuff. They're not as much of a just terrible franchise as the Lions in, in the last 10, 15 years. But like the Ravens, I think people you know people don't hate the Ravens the way that they used to. There's some people out there who don't like Lamar and, and some people who just don't like the franchise because they you know, had the old dirty label. But you know the Ravens have very much been a fixture in the playoffs in recent years. The Bills and the Chiefs have been two of the best teams the last couple of years. You, Steelers are are one of the the bigger franchises as far as fan bases and as far as like hate, which kind of come hand in hand. And Packers same way. Um, 49ers have been very good last few years, and then you know Bucks and Eagles have had their moments. Uh, both have won Super Bowls in the last what two decades. So mm-hmm. hey, we are kind of like the only team out there that's. I mean, you know, I, I guess we're the only team besides the Texans that haven't been to haven't won a Super Bowl, haven't been to the Super Bowl, and we've uh, we only played in one NFC Championship game. So it, it's on the Texans have only been around for twenty. Exactly. Years. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, you're comparing apples to oranges there. But it's uh, we we do kind of have the lovable losers feel, and I don't know. I, I think there were some people last night who were upset that you know they felt like the Lions were playing dirty. You know, the, the hit on Tyler Higby, you know, where, where I think it was Branch went low and he came across the middle and like just got upended and drilled his head on the ground. Like like that's one of those where like it sucks, but at the same time, like defensive backs are kind of taught that they have to go low because if you go high, you're you know it's targeting, you're, you're you know you're, huge penalty, like all that stuff, like you. you like you're kind of taught to go a little bit low. Like I don't know what the, if you sell them, you can't go high and you can't go low. It's like you're, you're giving them like an a like a, a very small window to make a legal tackle, especially on a tight end who's like going to be way bigger than a than, than most defensive backs coming across the middle. So I like I, as much as it sucked and I, I hated seeing him get hurt. I was like, well, what do you want our, our guy to do? You know, it's it's not really that dirty of a play. The, the Stafford roughing probably should have been called. Um, where he accidentally stepped on after that, but it was he got taken down a little bit late for sure. I mean, Stafford, it, it was like a it had to have reminded him of past times. He was on his ass a lot. He was <laughs> he was getting hit a lot. It was very much like his Lions days, where he was just getting um, he, he was getting battered a little bit. Were but, you surprised they booed him? I was a little bit. Same. Like I, I think it was more of a product of the times. Like like most Lions fans were going into the game were like defending Stafford and and talking about how you know we'll always remember the good times. Like we hope we beat you, but all this stuff. But I was surprised that it was like and it was like very very audible. Yeah. Like it was. I, I feel like it was more of a show of support for golf and and just kind of like wanting this so badly than it was hatred for Stafford because Lions fans don't seem to hate Stafford. He he did all he could here for a long time. It was basically a one man team. The very first Lions game I ever went to is. Mary and I hadn't been dating for for that long, so I think it was like I guess it was like two thousand nine. It, it was it was Stafford's rookie year, whenever that was, maybe oh eight oh nine, and you know he we draft him, we built a franchise around him. We got, got caught in traffic. We you know something happened. I don't remember what it was, but like we were late getting into the game, and when we got there, the lines were already up seven nothing. And I'm like, oh my god, like here we go. And the lines were terrible that year, and they end up not scoring a touchdown the rest of the time that we're there. I think they lost twenty four seven. And Mary's like, let's take a picture, you know before we leave here. So it's like fourth quarter, we, we get somebody to take our picture. We're like standing on the concourse. And unknown, unbeknownst to me, like Stafford gets hurt. It's when he had his like the, the injury that knocked him out for the rest of his rookie year. So the picture of us at my first Lions game is like us in our Lions gear, like smiling and stuff, while the medical cart in the background is taking our star quarterback off the field. I was, That's I, in the picture? Yeah, like I saw the picture afterwards. I was like, oh no. That's awesome. It was like very, it was all, it was just like kind of like Lions fandom in a mic, uh, microcosm. It was just, it was very much like, this is my whole life as a Lions fan. This is the way that it's been. But uh, the, the tide is changing. I was happy for Jared Goff. I know that he, you know, he was viewed as the lesser quarterback in the trade. 
kind of like I think you were saying last week, where everybody's talking about Stafford coming back, and everyone's talking about Stafford in the line, and nobody's really talking about Goff going against the Rams. Yep. You know, it was Goff led him to a Super Bowl, and then his career kind of imploded. And he talked last night about how you know, he was in, in sort of a bad place mentally when he got traded. He kind of felt like he'd been broken, and he was not good when he first got to Detroit. Like they were terrible in Campbell's first season until the very end of the year. And then he's pretty good last year, and he's been really good for us this year. So, you know, while he wasn't spectacular in the second half, I, I thought it was – I was really happy to see him get the win. I, I know I'm, I'm sure it meant a lot to him, which was cool to see. But, uh, you know, we've got – the other playoff games of the weekend were just sort of dull-ass games. Yeah, honestly. they were. I mean, just kind of boring games. If you know, I, I thankfully didn't have to, to buy Peacock because we already had Peacock, but would have felt bad if I'd – you know, divvied out the money, which is only like six bucks, whatever. <laughs> but if if I'd gone through the trouble of like getting the app and going through all that stuff, and then watching kind of a just boring game where the Chiefs and the Dolphins—I mean, the weather has been the biggest story of the weekend. I feel like you know, that game was hard to watch. The, the the part of the the field was just covered in ice. It was tough for the the Dolphins to do anything moving the ball. And then when they turned it over a couple times, it was basically over, and the Chiefs could play keep away. And the Texans run away from. Joe Flacco and the Browns, thankfully avoiding the possibility of Flacco beating Lamar in the second round. So that I was comforted to see that. And then the, you know, the, the Cowboys, the surprise of all surprises, just getting absolutely blasted by the Packers. Um, are you a – you're a Steelers fan. Is it safe to assume that you are a kind of a Cowboys hater? I feel like anybody who's not a Cowboys fan is sort of a Cowboys hater. I am not a Cowboys okay. hater, but even though I'm a Steelers fan because of the Cowboys. Fun fact. My dad is a twin. And when they played each other, I guess it was 78 or 79 Super Bowl, one of them each picked one team. My dad's still a Steelers fan today, and his twin is still a Cowboys fan. There you go. So, yeah, no, I don't really have any ill will towards them just because, I mean, Cowboys have never really affected me in my life. See, I hated them as someone who's a little bit older than you. You know, they were very much, you know, you know I, I was coming of age. Like, I, I was starting to, like, get into sports when they were dominating the landscape of the NFL. And my best friend was an annoying Cowboys fan, still is. And so I just always hated the Cowboys. But I saw something today that, that was, I think, perfectly said. They were like, you know, the most tortured sports fans in America right now are, like, young, fringe, like, Gen Z, millennial Cowboys fans because they've been hated their entire lives, but haven't gotten to experience any of the success that made them the franchise hated, which is so true. Because they've been just kind of a whatever franchise for it, you know the story of the Cowboys. Basically, like since I got out of grade school, has been how they find a way to f it up in the playoffs. Yep. You know, Romo fumbling a snap. Um, you know, getting the the Des caught it game, which they should have not even played in because they, the guys screwed the lines the week before. Yeah, and, and then now this looking like they've got maybe their best shot at making a run of the Super Bowl in a couple decades and getting just not not just losing on their home field, but getting blasted by a Packers team that for the most most of the year was just kind of a you know, whatever franchise. Um, so I, I feel kind of bad for those Cowboy fans. Not really bad, but kind of bad. Skip Bayless and that crew, not so much. They can suck it. Yeah, I hate them all. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some Louisville sports. Thank you for permitting me at least a segment to talk about the lines and get excited. It's all I can think about. I'm, I'm very excited about what's happening right now. But we will come back. We'll talk some Louisville basketball. The cards coming up just short against NC State. But the effort, the fight, and some of the product on the floor has a few Louisville fans encouraged. And, and now I think the conversation may be shifting around this team. We'll talk about that and take some text from you guys. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. It's all good. And it's only fun. Try to love someone! Oh, we're all the things that they need, and you think it's just a boy.
back in. Monday edition of Mike Rutherford Show here. 1450 961 The Big X. You heard this song before, Scoots? I have heard this song. I don't yeah. know if they, you know, sporting events, they don't like it I don't, that much. I don't know if I've ever seen the music video. It's kind of trippy. Just keep on. It's like a triangle and it just keeps going into more and more triangles. I don't like it. <laughs> it's messing with my mind. Uh, quick update. We had, we had a, a major conference basketball game already take place today on the men's side. Michigan, the old rivalry, taking down Ohio State 73-65. Buckeyes, after a, a very hot start, have been not good the last couple of weeks. They fall to 2-4 and four in Big Ten. Actually, both teams are now 2-4 and four in the Big Ten. The other major game going on right now, no disrespect to the A-10 of the Ivy League. But in the Big East, the Marquette Golden Eagles, the number 17 team in the country, holding a narrow 41-40 home lead at the half over Villanova. Wildcats looking to stay uh, near the top of the Big East standings with a 4-1 and record. Marquette 2-3 and three in the Big East, kind of have to hold serve at home. Scooch, did you see the, the the Rick Pitino press conference on Saturday? I saw snippets of it, yes. Well, Probably the snippets you that You saw matter. the snippets. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. only thing that anybody's talking about, the uh, <laughs> which made me miss him so much. I, I don't know if there's an edited version out there that we can play, but I guess we, we probably you cannot play the unedited version. Absolutely not. Where uh, you know St. John's goes to Creighton, plays a very, very good game. They lose by one to a top 10 Blue Jays team. And somebody starts to ask a question about like, do you feel good about like this? And, and Patino cuts them off, and he's like, uh, he's like, when we lose, I don't feel good about it. I, I, I feel effing terrible. And then he goes into a spiel where he says, you know, you don't know this, but like when we lose, like my mind doesn't go to like any sort of moral victory. Like I want to kill myself. Is is, is what he says. He goes, I want to just throw myself out in the cold and die of frostbite. And he kind of laughs at the end. This is. Patino, he realizes he's got the media in the palm of his hands. He's he's doing what he wants, and this is vintage like mid-January loss Patino press conference, and he's he's it, it made me miss him for sure uh, again. But it was not all bad for the Louisville men's basketball team over the weekend. No, the Cards did lose, which was expected. The Cards though did play maybe better than we were thinking going mm-hmm. in. Certainly better than we've seen them play for the most part, over the last uh, two months. Louisville falls to NC State 89-83 and really was just kind of doomed by their opening four minutes, the opening segment where NC State races out to a 12-0 lead. And, I, I mean, I know Kenny Payne, if he had to do it over, maybe would change something, but starting Hersey Miller and Danilo Yovanovich and then not playing them again after that opening segment may have, have done you in. Those two guys not really bringing that much to the table and probably playing a factor in Louisville, putting itself in a double-digit hole almost immediately. And then from that point forward, the Cards play you know, not just blow for blow with NC State, but they actually you know, they cut that margin in half and only lose by six points. I think the conversation now has shifted amongst the Louisville men's basketball fan base. I think you've got two factions. Everybody recognizes that 6-10... and 10, one and four in the ACC, and then combined with last season's four and twenty-eight record, is is not good enough, right? Like, there's no Louisville fan who's like, I think that being below five hundred in mid-January is good. It, no, like everybody recognizes that the record's not good enough, and that losing by just by six points at home in mid-January to an NC State team that probably is not going to make the NCAA tournament at best is going to be on the bubble a month and a half from now. Is certainly not the standard for the program. Having said that, it's very apparent, and if you're denying it, then you, you know you're just you, you're full blown. Kenny Payne can do nothing well. It's very apparent that the team is playing much better. They're playing more engaged. They're playing more cohesive basketball. 
They're feeding off each other a little bit. The energy is up. They look like more of a competent basketball team than the one we saw going through the motions and getting blitzed by Arkansas State and the one we saw at the beginning of the year barely beating UMBC and getting handled by by Chattanooga on its home floor. They look much improved. Both those things can be true. You can say it's too little too late. The damage is done. This guy's never going to get us to a championship caliber level. And also say, look, they're playing better. I appreciate it. The crowd, I thought, was fantastic on Saturday. It was easily, to me, the best crowd of the Kenny Payne era. The number is not... I get it. It's not where it's been historically, and it's not where it's hopefully going to be once this thing gets rolling again. But it was much, much better than like the the sleepy four thousand people who weren't cheering during the New Mexico State win. Like the crowd was was engaged. They it, announced twelve thousand, but they're I mean likely probably closer to nine, eight or nine. I'd but probably say like either nine, wa- seven. Either way, the lower bowl was almost full. In the highlight video I watched, you could clearly see very little red. I mean. In, in regards to the seats. I mean, there was obviously yeah. people wearing red in the crowd. Sure. But yeah, it was a great crowd, I thought. It looked way better. It sounded way better than it has mm-hmm. this season. And, and the cool thing was, it would have been very easy for those fans that were in there that maybe were rejuvenated a little bit by the team's win over Miami earlier in the week. It would have been very easy for them to go silent and go re- revert immediately to, here we go again mode, when Louisville falls behind by 12 uh, early in the game. And they didn't do that. They you know Every time it seemed like there was an opportunity for them to sit on their hands and watch NC State pull away. They just got louder. They just kept willing the team back into the game, and you could tell that it really meant a lot to the the, the players. I think that they um, they fed off the the crowd. They fed off the energy, and it it was it played a big part in them almost getting back to even at the end of the game. Louisville did. You know, they were down by fourteen with less than two minutes to go. They rip off eleven straight points. They get to within three, and then a couple of bad possessions on offense, and NC State making some big plays. That ultimately decides the game. And at the end of the day, the Achilles heel for this team is still the Achilles heel, which is every time they make a big momentum shifting shot, they just they they don't play defense. Like like there's cool, you know, you scored 83 points. Mike James played well. Sky Clark did some things. Mike James, Louisville's best player. Right now he is, for sure. I mean, Brandon mm-hmm. Huntley-Hatfield was good inside again, 13-10, double-double against the ACC's biggest boy, D.J. Burns Jr., who is you know, a massive human being inside there. You're seeing Curtis Williams and Tyler Johnson really mature and play really well over the last couple of weeks. But when you don't know how to defend, it doesn't matter. Like, like you know, it, we, would, we would make these shots, and I, I kept bringing it up, I, I think I even – put the meme out there of like happy Gilmore where he's like oh yeah putting that's how I feel every single time when we make a big shot it's like come on the crowd's going nuts and we're only down two and they're like oh yeah defense what do we do here and they give up a wide open driving layup or a wide open three and like they just we never defend well I think to be a a considerable threat to be a to beat a really good team and the result of that is that we don't win games against quality opponents unless they just miss a ton of open shots which is exactly what happened against Miami last week. We, we didn't defend the, defend the perimeter really well against a, a good shooting Miami team. They just missed a ton of open shots. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the gamble. You know, you've got to be really good on offense, and you've got to get really lucky on defense because we just don't do anything well defensively. And it killed us. It, it sunk us in this game for sure against an NC State team that, if we're being honest, is not a very good outside shooting team. And people are, you know, Fans love to do the, okay, of course, they come in here and they hit 10 to 20 against us. Well, you know, like 35% shooting teams are going to be 50% shooting teams if they go up against somebody that doesn't guard them. Have you ever watched a major college team in shoot-around? 
Like they're making everything. These are all kids that can make wide open shots constantly. If they're shooting low percentages, it's it's because they're being guarded by most teams. And Louisville just does not guard the outside at all. We don't locate shooters. I know the O'Connell kid had been a like not good three point shooter so far this season. When he makes a couple of wide open ones, you got to start guarding him. You you can't just assume he's going to revert to his his season percentages because again, those percentages are based on teams that have guarded him well. Um, you know, NC State they brought DJ Horn off the bench, which you know whatever he's he's a star. You knew he was going to play big time minutes. He's been not playing as well as he had at the beginning of the season the last couple of weeks, and of course, you know he, he comes out and against a bad defensive team, lights it up. He's that type of player. Six of nine from three. Uh, made the biggest bucket of the game once we got it down to a three-point game with the driving and one uh, that pretty much sunk Louisville's chances of pulling the upset. He was very good, but we just we, we don't have good defensive guards. And it's why I think this team is going to win a couple more games in the ACC or a few more games in, in the ACC because the law of averages says you will have another Miami game or three where a team just doesn't make open shots. And, and you know we're playing hard. We're playing well enough on offense to beat some bad teams. But we're never going to, like North Carolina on Wednesday, if we're playing out of our minds on offense, I still don't trust our ability to win that game because Carolina is good enough offensively. They're going to take advantage of a team that just does not guard them. So I don't know what to do with the the last week that I've seen of this U of men's basketball team. <laughs> I'm encouraged by the way that they've played. At the same time, I, I think you still have to keep the big picture in mind. I don't want to just hate. Like I, I, I love that they're they're still engaged. I, I love that they seem to have taken a step or three forward. I, I love that they're still trying really, really hard. But it seems like too little, too late for me. And I don't know where would you be if you were if you were us right now, Scoots. How, how do you analyze the situation? They're playing better, but still, it's you know it's six and ten and one and four. Well, it's one of those things I said last week is. You know the result of the season, and that meaning Kenny Payne gone, right? But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy these games for what they are. I mean, you've gone, what, two, two and a half years now and almost forgotten what it feels like to be a fan because you go into every game thinking, oh, there's no way Louisville wins this or Louisville's only favored by one or two against this UMBC team, whatever it is. And now you have an opportunity to be a fan, and you've got a team, at least for the last week or a couple games, have – been playing hard and they're they're trying looks like they're getting a better understanding of what's going on so for me if I'm a Louisville fan I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy the rest of these games for what they are because before you know it we're gonna be in April college basketball is gonna be gone and you're gonna be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for six seven months waiting for it to come back well we've we've been twiddling our thumbs for like three years now so. that's true it's but I mean it's the, the fact that you've seen competent basketball for two games in a row now has got to be a positive moving forward. Just just try it to get is. behind the team and enjoy what they're doing on the floor. It, I, I, here's the concern, though. And it's my concern, and, and I said this after the Miami game, it's, it's not enough for me to like pull against the team or anything like that. I, I still I love the fight they've showed. I, I was definitely engaged. I was cheering when they got it down to three. I was really hoping they could, they could pull off the full miracle. At the same time, this is relighting some some fires that have been put out before as it as it pertains to like the whole like should he get a third year or should he not get a third year is it though it is why you're seeing a lot of Louisville fans who are like see like th- this is the progress like you, and now you're gonna have a lot of people that are pointing to the fact that he's doing this with a limited roster you've got the injuries you've got some young guys out there playing big time minutes we're a very young team and if they can if they can somehow reel off I don't know 
six or seven wins, five, six wins, seven wins uh, over the next uh, month and a half, you'll have some people arguing that it's enough to justify a third year. That all the lumps this team took in November and December, you know, almost losing to New Mexico State and UMBC and losing to Chattanooga and losing to DePaul and losing to Arkansas State, look how different the team was in the second half of the year. That's that's buy-in. That's culture being established, and it's only going to get better the next year. While I think that that's true, you have to remember, like, I don't think he gets the benefit of having the worst season in the history of Louisville basketball last year. Like, I, I don't. If last year's team had just done what this year's team is doing, and gone I don't, like a, a lowly ten and uh, ten and twenty three or whatever it would have been which still would have been the worst season that any of us had ever seen as Louisville fans, and they're doing this now, we would not be looking at it with the same lens of positivity for those who are looking at it through the same lens of positivity. like We would be like, well, we're, we're kind of doing the same thing we did a year ago, right? So I don't think he should be rewarded for going 4-28 and and setting the bar as low as it possibly can. Like This year's team right now, it reminds me of watching the last month and a half of the, the Mike Pegues-Chris Mack team two years ago, mm-hmm. where... You, you felt like they had a chance, even against good teams. Like there were a couple of times that year. I mean, we got screwed in that North Carolina game where they just, they, you know, Carolina was a, a fringe NCAA tournament team at that point. It felt like the ACC didn't want them to take a terrible loss to Louisville. And, you know, they played Duke pretty close and they, you know, they were in on some games. And then there were other games where they just kind of like checked out and they got hammered by, by 25 points. And like Wake Forest beat them by like 35. But you felt like on, on a given night, they were going to play hard, they were going to try. And they had a chance to beat decent teams. They just weren't that good. That's kind of where I feel we are with this year's team, which is certainly a step forward from last year, but it's not enough of a step forward. And and, and that piece of information alone isn't enough for me to come to the conclusion that Kenny Payne in two years, three years, four years, however long his plan is going to take to come into effect, can be a national championship caliber coach, which is the expectation here. The expectation is not, hey, two years from now, we could be in the NCAA tournament. The expectation is at some point in time, this guy and this staff will have Louisville in a position where they are every single year preseason top 15, preseason top 10, and we view them as a team that is always a threat to go to the Final Four. They're competing for top four seeds every single year. They're competing for the double buy in the ACC tournament every single year. And just because they're playing better and almost beating not great teams at home, it's not. It's good compared to where we were, don't get me wrong, but it's not a strong enough piece of evidence for me to be like, I can see this guy cutting down the nets in, in five years at Louisville. It's just not. Well, and, and another thing about that is, does it make you feel better moving forward if there's, say, two, three, four recruits on board for next season, whereas yes, exactly. there's zero now? So there's there's really no positivity moving forward. Yeah, this has all been great. The last two games have been a lot of fun watching this team compete and be close in these games. But what happens when the season ends and and there's no recruits still coming? That's, exactly, that's an issue. I get that his his game plan and he hasn't laid it out fully, but you can kind of read between the lines with what he said in, in recent press conferences. I think that his game plan moving forward is look, I've got a young team. I want to bring back the key pieces from this year's squad. You know, give me. Junior year, Sky Clark. Junior year, uh, Trey White. 
Tyler Johnson, Curtis Williams, Caleb Glenn, those guys as sophomores with experience playing time. We'll get J.J. back next year. Maybe Brandon Huntley-Hatfield comes back for one more year. And then we're going to bring in some key pieces from the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Like that's you know he, He's finally talking about the transfer portal. He said it last month. It's what we have to do. My concern is he's ignored the transfer portal for the most part for the last two years. He got Trey White and Sky Clark, which was good. But we needed more. And certainly, you know, him coming out and saying, like, I don't want to use the transfer portal was not encouraging. And so now he's got to go into the portal if we're going to have next year's roster to place. Again, this is all hypothetical where he gets a third year. He'd have to go in the portal and get some key pieces to put us in a position where it felt like we could be an NCAA tournament team next year. And I don't have the trust in his ability to do it because I've never seen him do it. So... I don't know. Didn't Huntley Hatfield come out of the portal too? He did. He was he was like the first year, the, like the first two weeks that Payne was on the job. He came and visited. He hung out with Jack Harlow, and boom, he was committed. And we're like, all right, like we all we, like we we were all like so naive. We really thought, hey, this guy is going to go out there and get whoever he wants. Like every five star transfer, every five star recruit, and then it just like that that was kind of it. Like we didn't get anybody else, um, at least from the the portal at, at that point during that off season. But he's you know. He's got money to work with. You'd think that it would be not the toughest sell in the entire world to get a, a kid to come play at Louisville for a decent price. Like I can tell you right now, like Sky Clark and Trey White are, we're, they're they're getting paid. Like like they are making a decent amount of money. They 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 are well off right now. They did well for themselves in the transfer portal. We've got that type of money to divvy out to other players. But like, can he find the right guys? Can can he Trey White? I mean, let's be real. Like Trey White was one of the higher-rated players in the transfer portal. He's not a good fit in the system. And it felt like he was just a take because Kenny Payne thought, like, hey, like he's a take. Like, let's just bring him in here. Like, We've got to find guys that fit this actual system in the transfer portal if we're going to take a significant step forward next year. And Kenny Payne, at this point, has not earned my trust to feel like he can go out there and do that. Well, and- if, if you bring back some of these pieces, the, I mean, the ones we've touched on, Huntley Hadfield, Mike James, Sky Clark, Caleb Glenn, Trey White – Tyler Johnson even and Curtis Williams, you get those that core group of guys back. I don't know how much you're going to actually need from the poor. I mean, you'd only need uh, what two, three guys that you could slide into that rotation because all those guys are going to be another year older. You need they've some played guys, with each though. other. I mean, we're, they're, they're yeah, playing oh, no better. Doubt. No we're doubt. six and ten. Yeah. Like we, they're playing better, right? But it, it's like, the roster is not. This isn't like the 2012 transition with Rick Pitino where it's like hey if you just bring these guys back they're final four good you bring in a couple new pieces that are smaller additions but if you bring that core back like they can win a national title next year like that's not what we're talking about we're still talking about a team that while they're playing better is six and ten I mean we're praising a six-point loss again to a very average NC State team at home in the middle of the season so it's not as simple as you know junior year Sky Clark sophomore year Tyler Johnson you bring these guys back and we're going to be you know Six seed good next year. You need some significant additions. Isn't praising a six point loss though a lot more fun than just pooping all over the team? I, I mean, slightly. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, isn't a, a pea sandwich a little bit better than a poop sandwich? Yeah, <laughs> it is, but it's not. It's still not what we want to be eating at this point. That's uh, that's true. That's that's where we are. But I mean, you know, I, I think we'll have a better understanding of how to view this whole thing over the next couple of weeks because you're playing the two best teams in the ACC o- over the next uh, nine days. You get Carolina on the road on Wednesday, and Carolina right now looks far and away to be the best team in the ACC. Like, like I-, I was not a big-time believer 
I, I didn't like them long term. They've been really good over the last uh, last two or three weeks. They're killing teams. They beat Q's by like 60 on Saturday. Yeah. That will be a tough, tough. Biggest loss ever for Syracuse. Was it really? And in ACC play, yeah. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. that's a stat. It will be a tough, tough assignment for UofL to keep that thing interesting on Wednesday. Ken Palm projects them to lose by 24. And then they will go on the road on Saturday and play Wake Forest, who is, you know, they've won. What, 9 of 10? They're 4 and 1 in the ACC. They beat Virginia by 20. Everyone's beating Virginia by 20 in the ACC right now. They're they're kind of rolling right now. They're very much a, a team that is way, way better at home. They've not lost at home this season. That will be a challenge. And then you get Duke on home uh, at home next Tuesday. So if they're able to keep those games competitive, then I think you're like, okay, I think they, they can probably, you know, that's the best of the best in the ACC. Their February schedule is much, much more forgiving. They could win five or six games. This is more evidence that Kenny Payne might know what he's doing and these players are, are, are fully bought in. But if it goes back to just, you know, we're getting destroyed and, and you know, th- their spirits are down and Carolina's up by 30 and we're kind of just kicking the ball around and waiting for the clock to run out, I, I think this all feels like a little bit of fool's gold. And we'll know one way or the other kind of what to take away from this. But the conversation definitely has shifted. I still am very much in the camp of I don't think you can give this guy a third year barring something miraculous taking place over the last 70, would that 70 days of the season. I mean, what do we have, 15 conference games left? Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. Going like 11-4 and four in those conference games. That, that would get you to turn heel and be like, okay, I'm in? If we went 11-4 and four to end this regular season, that would put us at 17-14. and 14. And I wouldn't feel overly confident about like Kenny Payne's long term future, but I would be, I'd be willing to accept Josh Hurd saying like this is enough to give him a third year. I wouldn't be like driving the bus and, and going crazy. I still would have the same big time reservations that I've had for the past couple of years, but I would understand it. I mean, eleven and four is like I know the AC is down relatively speaking. It's still a conference where if, if you're winning. 11 of your last 15 games against this league. You're beating some NCAA tournament teams. You're playing well. You're looking like a competent basketball team. You look like you belong. And But again, like, you know, we're, we're still 1-4, and our conference losses right now are to a Virginia team that sure doesn't look like they're going to make the NCAA tournament, uh, a Pitt team at home, which looks like it's not going to make the NCAA tournament. NC State, I don't think, is going to make the NCAA tournament. Virginia Tech is probably a, a bubble team. And besides NC State, the other three weren't really that close. So, you know, I, I, I still just – I need to see a lot. I mean, Ken Palm right now projects us to finish the season 9-22. and It's still a single-digit projection. He thinks we're better than we've been, but we're still 193 in the country, which is not, not great. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from you guys on the Thornton's text line. 502-414-1450, whatever's on your mind. Let us know. We'll take some texts after the break. It's the 4 o'clock hour, and it's next here on the Big X.
today snow on the ground reminds me of uh what was the big snowstorm around here i think it was 94 and the first day of it i remember was martin luther king jr day was the first day really? yeah where we you know a huge storm uh, we lost power at my house for like six days which you know it was freezing we all like were huddled in the same like little family room it was terrible it was awful i only remember the uh well i mean i don't remember it but i only ever hear about the blizzard of 78 Blizzard, I wasn't alive for that. Yeah, me neither. 94 was bad. I was actually talking to an old guy the other day, and I was like, is, are you, I was telling him how it would be cool one time to get a blizzard of 78. And he was like, oh, no, you should have been around for the blizzard in 1961. I was like, well, tell me about it. Let's hear. Why did you think it would be cool to have a blizzard? I just wanted, I want a built-in excuse to not be able to go anywhere for a week. If you have, like, power and stuff. Yeah. Sure. But. Yeah. Not having power in blizzard conditions sucks. I've had, it's happened twice. It's it, n- neither time it was very fun. Like you think as a kid, like full week off school, like yeah. this is great. But like Wednesday, I was like, okay, I just want to eat something like normal. I, I want to be able to have good food. I want to be able to sleep in a warm bed. Like this sucks. You know, I told Gil that last night how I, I would just one day would love to have a blizzard, and he looks at me and he goes, "You'd be screwed. You don't do any grocery shopping." Uh. <laughs> I was like, "That's a good point. I'd have to eat all your food." Does Gil shop for both of you or just himself? No, nah, just himself. Although he's he's a good enough roommate where if he'll if he makes like a frozen pizza, he'll he'll give me a piece or two of it. Classic Gil. <laughs> he did make tuna salad this weekend. I I stole a bunch of. Ew. Ooh, it's to smell the house up. Yeah, I did. I yeah. I can't. Oh, I guess it was when I got back from Midway on Saturday. I walked in the house. I was like, "Gosh, dang! Did you cook fish? Oh, I made tuna." It's like, well, it reeks in here. Good thing I'm not a pregnant woman. Gil Be puking everywhere. Jack of all trades. <laughs> Love you, Gil. All right, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton sex line reminder. Thornton's hooking you up the best deals all twenty twenty four long. If you want to take advantage, become a refreshing rewards program member today. Download the app, search Thornton's, download that app, and then you'll be saving money at the pump. And inside, anytime you stop in one of these areas, 76,452 Thornton's locations. Is that many of them for a reason? They know what they're doing. Do that and then text us at 502-414-1450. Texture says, uh, Mike, if you absolutely had to make a choice, who would you rather have as your coach, KP or Kevin Stallings? Oh, whoa, that's a great, great question. Here's the thing, though. Kevin Stallings, it's not like he never had success as a head coach. What's he doing now? Following his son around, uh, playing baseball for the Pirates. He was at, like like a month after he got fired, he was at the Louisville airport because he was going to watch them and play the Bat Stadium when he was in AAA. That's what he was doing hmm. recently. But I don't think he's got another job. Uh, but but like you kind of forget he was so bad at Pitt, and it was you know one of the worst major conference hires of all time. But at Vandy, even though he kind of got forced out. I mean, he took Vandy to multiple Sweet 16s. He made the NCAA tournament like seven or eight times in his like 15, 16-year tenure there. Um, he was successful at Illinois State before he got to Vandy. That's why he got that job. So it's not like he just can't do anything. With Kenny Payne, you've got, you've got no pivot. You have nothing to point to like that. You can't be like, yeah, it's been a disaster here, but he went to the NCAA tournament twice at Murray State. Like He, he clearly knows what he's doing. So... This is all a roundabout way of saying my answer is Kevin Stallings, which is sad, but that's where I am. It's I mean, I, it's I, the right answer. It's a rational the pr- answer. The proven guy. Right? You know, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Kenny Payne does wind up being a better coach than Stallings, but as of right now, we've got nothing to, to prove that. It, it's a tough argument to make. 
Texture says, uh, LOL, Mike St. John's has a Hall of Fame coach. Ole Miss has horrible schedule. Porter has been at OU for a few years, and Jerome Tang had an All-American guard. He's not great this year. Your th- theory that all these coaches can rebuild in a year isn't as strong as you think. You can only look at Iowa State and say that it was, oh, this is the guy who was like, we have no examples. And we threw out like five that <laughs> that, that, that kind of disproved that. I mean, Kansas State's rebuild was after last year. It, it, is Tang not doing it now? No, but at a stronger program, I, I think you look at it and you say if, if he could pull together the parts that he could at Kansas State, like you should be able to pull together those parts at Louisville and then be able to continue it. Iowa State's had three good years after going two and twenty-two. I mean, Ole Miss has horrible schedule. It's they're still fourteen and one or whatever they are. No, and their schedule ramps up soon. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that they were that abysmal last year and they're fourteen and one. I don't care who they're playing. Fourteen and one is is, is, is fourteen and one. And like I'm not sure they're even going to be an NCAA tournament team, but still, like you can't say that there's no reason to turn things around that quickly in this day and age. Like you're, I don't know what argument you're trying to prove here, but you're floundering. Texture says, it's interesting that nobody has brought up Brad Underwood as the candidate. Next to Scott Drew, he's the most successful, realistic candidate who's proven to be successful in coaching and recruiting. Plus, he's still upset that Cal poached two of his assistants. Um, I, I'm not sure that Brad Underwood is the most successful candidate out there besides uh, Scott Drew. Like not, I don't know. Like He's never been to a Sweet 16 as a head coach. Don't you don't want him on your sideline. He's the angriest looking coach in college basketball. Well, I mean, he all, dude always looks pissed. Because he, he is always pissed. But like <laughs> I, I don't know where this person is getting that. He's the most he's the most successful proven coach besides Scott Drew that's a candidate. I mean, he's never been to a Sweet 16. But I mean that <laughs> that speaks pretty loudly. He's had some really good Illinois teams the last couple of years and has never won more than one game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, this is not me saying that Mick Cronin, Mick is the pick or anything like that. But if you're saying who's the more proven coach, I mean, Mick Cronin last three years has been to two Sweet 16s and a Final Four. Like what Brad Underwood is doing right now at Illinois is sort of what Cronin did at Cincinnati, except Cronin went to a Sweet 16 at Cincinnati. But he had a ton of first round losses, a ton of second round losses, always a good team with a gaudy record. That never got it done in, in, in the big dance, but he certainly has done more than Underwood. I mean, Underwood, he's, he's assembled a lot of talent there. I think it's really easy to make the case that he's done less with more since he got the Illinois job. I mean, they had they had two All-Americans in Kofi Coburn and uh, Io DeSumo a few years ago and barely won a game in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not... I'm I'm not sold on bringing Brad Underwood here. Well, and not to mention the all the issues he's had with his players, like Sky Clark and uh, Terrence Shannon. Yeah, th- and I'm sure there's others. They've had issues for sure, and you know he's he's had guys leave teams. He's had guys that he's kicked off teams. That there's been some accusations out there. So he's yeah. I mean, like I I think Brad Underwood knows what he's doing. I think he's a competent head coach, but the body of work right now is is not in a place where I think you can give him the Louisville job. Texture says, uh, uh, Iowa caucus day. It's all happening here on the Big X. Chris the Plumber. You know Chris the Plumber's fired up. He's a big Iowa caucus guy. Huge Iowa caucus guy, especially in years where you know the Republican nomination process. Oh, is, is this a political thing? Yeah. It's, oh. the, it's the Iowa caucus. This is when you know, they start. No uh, wonder I don't know about it. <laughs> you have to, I mean, you, you've heard of the Iowa caucus, though, right? 
I mean, I've heard that phrase before. Couldn't tell you what it was before just now. I mean, I still don't really even know what it is. It's a so it's kind of a crazy deal. Like this basically kicks off the the nomination process, the electoral process for the Democratic side and the Republican side. Like Iowa always goes first for whatever reason. For president. For president. Okay. Yeah, for who the nominee is going to be, and like all these people get together in Iowa. How do they get to go first? It's a great question. It's one that's being revisited, I think, currently. But they it, it just always has, and it's. I, I think because it's sort of seen as a state that is more down the middle than most states, and so like, you know, they, it's become less important in recent years. Like the what was it like the one year Mike Huckabee was a runaway winner in Iowa, and he ended up not doing anything. I mean, I think even in twenty twenty twenty, um, like Biden kind of got smoked in Iowa, and it was this big warning sign that he's not maybe not going to be the nominee, and and all this stuff, and then he kind of cleaned it up on Super Tuesday and, and took care of business on the East Coast. But it's going down tonight. I think everyone expects Trump to to win, but we'll see what the margin is between him and, and Nikki Haley and so this Vivek is ba- Ramaswamy. This is basically just figuring out who the candidates are going to be? I mean, it's starting the process. Like, like, you know, all the states go through it where they pick their, they have their kind of election for who they want to nominate, but Iowa goes first. Okay. And, and So when's Kentucky caucus day? Nobody cares because <laughs> Kentucky's always going to because that's true. He's yeah. going to go red regardless. You're right. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's I think Kentucky goes. Do, they, do we go on Super Tuesday? I think we go. We go in like a, a, one of the days where like it's a big swath of states. This is election year, right? Yeah, starting the process. So that's I guess that's where I'm confused. So does the whole country votes in like November on that Tuesday election day, right? That's correct. Okay. So these are, we're just getting the candidates out there. We're getting the, the nominees. Okay. So the Iowa votes aren't going towards the I was the, the vote in November. Yeah. I mean, okay. Biden is basically running unopposed. I guess RFK Jr. I don't even know if there, there's a ballot in, in Iowa. The caucus, they don't, they don't have bias. They, they go like stand in one corner. It's, the Iowa caucus thing is the weirdest thing of all time. But basically, like this will start the process of determining who the Republican nominee is going to be. Trump has a very large lead in every single poll on. DeSantis and Haley and, and Vivek Ramaswamy and like, I don't even know if anybody else is even in the, the field anymore. A- Asa Hutchinson. Um, hmm. So this will get it going. This will start the whole process. And then in the summer, you'll have the Republican convention and the Democratic convention when they officially nominate their candidates. And then that will start the the process of the official presidential campaign Got going until November. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm a little smarter now. Brink of civil war. <laughs> it's, it's all happening. Texter says... Uh, I was blasphemed on Friday's show. I am not a Mick Cronin hater. I am a Mick Cronin truth teller. I see it as my calling to educate as many people as possible about Cronin. This is the guy that always texts in about uh, not liking Mick Cronin. I'm with you, Texter. He won over the weekend. He's not the pick. He's rolling. He's, he's got it going now. They're, uh, they're up to 111 on Ken Palm. They, they beat, he beat Washington, which may single-handedly get Mike Hopkins fired at Washington if he wasn't already going to. They're having kind of a... you know. Whatever year, he's very firmly on the hot seat, and losing to UCLA by 12, I think, might be the nail in the coffin for Mike Hopkins. But Mick, he's back to being the pick. No, he's not. Uh, Texture says 502-414-1450. You should have told uh, the, the woman at the Kroger parking lot that you were from Eight Mile. <laughs> it's like that's what I know. Eight Mile, the wrong side, hard upbringing. <laughs> People called me Bunny Rabbit. I won rap battles. I did like Rashawn's uh, show tweet on Friday. It was good. <laughs> I was like, am I, am I Dre? 
Texture says, Mike, it's John. Oh, this is the guy who, uh, this is our Lions fan who drove up for the game. Said, you saw my video from the Lions game last night. It was an amazing experience, but I got to tell you, I am not a functional human at all today at work, but I also feel like I got to go back this weekend. I'm not. This uh, Tickets are insane again. This was the guy who last week was like, I live in northern Kentucky. I want to drive up for the game, but I've got to work on Monday morning. And he he did it. Like my my advice was like, I don't think this is you know, the, the get in price is like seven hundred and one bucks. That's uh, outrageous fee. Like going, I, I was like, I would go up there and maybe just like hang out around the stadium, and then drive back if you want to do that. But he went to the game, shot me some videos, shot me some pictures on Twitter, and got to experience it firsthand. That was awesome. Props to him. It was a star-studded affair last night at the Lions game. Was it? Oh yeah. I mean, you had well, you know, obviously all the big Lions players were there, like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, and yeah, I did see that and all that stuff. But I mean, you had Eminem, you had uh, who's the the whoever the dude from Twilight was. He was there rocking a Robert uh, Pattinson. No, the other one, oh. Team Team Jacob. He was rocking a Lions jacket. Uh, Tim Robinson was there. There were a bunch of people there. It was, it was it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Go Lions. Texas says, uh, Mike, as a fellow Lions fan, I had a teaching moment for my daughter recently. She was playing a memory game with her grandmother and lost and was upset. I was telling her how it's important to learn to lose so you keep trying to get better. I also said that losing makes winning that much sweeter, which is why it's going to be so sweet when the Lions win the Super Bowl this year. My in-laws are Packers fans, which is why I said it, and they laughed when I said it. God, I want them in the NFC Championship game. Also, am I the a-hole for arguing and refusing to yield that Kanye West is pop is a pop hip-hop artist? <laughs> it's a hard left turn at the very end there. <laughs> um, first of all, great life lesson. I I'm gonna have to do something. I have to some sort of have some sort of moment with my daughter as well. Who she she like will not lose. She tries to like not get upset about it, but she flips out every time she loses or can't get something right. Um. So yeah, she she could learn a lot from being a Lions fan. Kanye, I mean, I I feel like as it went on, maybe a little bit more pop than he was at the beginning, but yeah. it, it's he's very much kind of in that Drake category, whereas like he can he'll get rotation at top on, on top forty stations, but at his core, at his core, with the soul beats, it's hip hop. I haven't heard about Kanye West in a while. Well, Good for him staying out of the limelight. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's lo- by lack of effort for him. He's <laughs> he's trying. He's still every time I do hear something, I'm like, oh, it's it's so weird. I mean, I was a big Kanye guy for a long period of time. I remember my freshman year of college, a bunch of our friends at Dayton were from from uh, Chicago, and they were all talking about this guy. Like he was just getting ready to come out. He was releasing a few singles before his album dropped in like December or January. And they were like, this guy's going to be huge. This guy's awesome. Like, we've been listening to him for years. And so I got into it then. And then he, you know, his music kind of kept coming out throughout my college years. And I was very much into it, very much got into, like, the old stuff. And um, and then he kind of went crazy. A little bit crazy. A little bit out there. And the music also, the last, like, few albums hasn't just hasn't been very good. No. There's that, too. Texas says, I still wish that your line. do you still wish that your Lions had played the Packers instead of the Rams? No, because we won. It'd be dumb to change my answer. I'm not sure we would have lost the Packers, but they looked really good yesterday, and we won the game. Well, you got to remember too that 14 of the Packers' points came off of pick sixes. They did. They were just bad throws. By the Cowboys Dak. were bad. Yeah, the Cowboys were bad in the game. I mean, I I think that I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to beat the Bucks or the Eagles next week, but you can make the case that like 
yesterday's game on paper was a little bit easier. The Rams are certainly playing better than either the Bucks or the, the Eagles coming into the playoffs. And the Stafford thing, I think, is a emotional wrench tossed into the, you know, the the whole thing that you have to deal with. So I don't know. I mean, I I hated the draw. I was very nervous about the game. As the game went on, I was even more nervous about the game. Stafford made some unreal throws. Mm-hmm. Like like he was getting just destroyed. We were bringing pressure on virtually every throw, and he uh, he was putting it into some very very tight windows, including one to two two Atwell for a touchdown. Where I was like, damn it, like you know two. He did a flip into the end zone. I was like, oh, well, I want to be excited about this, but I, I obviously can't be. That was that was annoying. It was a big day for former Cardinals. Uh, Tutu had the touchdown catch against the Lions. Jair had the, had the 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 picks against the Cowboys and was letting people know about it after the game. He played very, very well. Teddy Bridgewater caught a pass on the sidelines from Matt Stafford at one point. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, it, was, it was fun. It was former Cardinals showing out in the playoffs. It was good to see. You had me perked up there when you're <laughs> – he did. Teddy caught a pass, huh? It was like the one on the sideline. It was the one bad throw that Stafford made. He had Cooper Cup wide open on the like the left sideline and just completely overthrew him. He's getting pressured a little bit, and Teddy made a great like over the shoulder catch and then celebrated on the sidelines. I was like, "Go, Ted!" I mean, because Teddy's announced that he is you know he's retiring. He's done with football after this. So this is his last run. This is his last chance to potentially get to a to to a Super Bowl, and I would love for it to happen with the Lions. Do it for Teddy. Do it for Teddy. That would be very very cool. Um. I do wonder if there's a part of Teddy who's like, like I'm sure he's in it. I'm sure he's he's locked in. But maybe if he's like, I'd prefer just to, I'm I'm ready for what's next. Give me back to Florida. Give let's start my Miami Northwestern coaching career. Let's make it happen. But props, to Teddy. We love you. Lines forever. Marcus Maven's kid, Jalen Reeves Maven, also is is on the team again after I think he's this second year back after he had a stint away, and he's making he was making plays last night. It was cool to see him out there. He's been more of a special teams guy for us than defensive standout, but he was getting some added snaps last night. Very cool. I mean, you got some you have multiple Louisville connections. The Lions famously though, Scoots, the only team in the NFL that has never drafted a Louisville player. Really? No. Never drafted a Louisville player. They've drafted a ton of Kentucky players. We have Josh Pascal on the team who's making plays for us defensively, who's been very good. Uh, we remember we had Artus Pinner back in the day. We've had some some big time UK players. We've had Louisville players on the team, just never drafted one. Only team. Maybe we should try. Maybe that's been the problem all these years. Texter says, Scoots Indiana football had Bama's head coach on their staff four years ago. Isn't that wild? <laughs> that is wild. That sucks. The other thing, I mean, we talked about the domino effect when the, the Nick Saban news broke on the air. You knew it was going to be like a – you knew Bama was going to land a high-profile coach, and then that high-profile school was going to need to get somebody else – and we saw the domino effect play out over the weekend. Kalen DeBoer goes to Alabama, and then that leaves a vacancy at Washington. And our boy Jed Fish, the Jeff Brom of the West Coast. Jed Fish, who became a joke on this show two years ago because we, we didn't know who the Arizona coach was, and we looked up his name and we thought it was so funny that we just said it throughout the show. <laughs> he now is the head coach at Washington. I mean, Jed Fish is just moving up in the world. He's That's, fired up. Props to Jed Fish. I mean, I, he's going to keep it rolling out there. West Coast Brom, just doing what he's doing. Texture says there is uh, no but with the team. This is U of L basketball. As Bill Parcells once said, "You are what your record says you are, and our record says that we suck." I I lean more towards that than like this is okay because they're getting better. They're very clearly getting better, but when the starting point that you're talking about is as low as ours has been, it's still. It, it, it's just nowhere near good enough. It, it's just not. And, I mean, the fact that we're playing better right now, it almost makes what we did at the beginning of the season more inexcusable 
I'm not saying we should have blitzed Texas and then we would have beaten UConn in the Empire Classic. But if you can if you can beat Miami and be right there with NC State, you've got no excuse to go up, uh, up to Chicago and lose handily to DePaul. You've got no excuse to get blitzed on your home floor by Arkansas State and Chattanooga to almost lose to New Mexico State and UMBC. Like that very clearly was just lack of attention to detail, lack of focus, and, and lack lack of everything is the is the only way that you give those types of results. And I think we're seeing that moving forward. I, mean, I don't know if anyone's paid attention to what DePaul's done since they beat us. They've won one game. They beat Chicago State, who's arguably the worst program in Division One basketball. Their last four Big East games, they lost to Georgetown, who's atrocious. Connecticut beat them 85-56, Creighton beat them 84-58, and Villanova beat them 94-69. They're not even coming within like 25 points of anybody in the Big East. They are 265 on Ken Palm. We are 193 now. And they looked like the better team from start to finish against us in that game back on December 9th. Like, it's just, like, that's embarrassing. Like, everything has to matter if we're talking about whether or not Kenny Payne deserves a third year. And that while maybe it shouldn't be as much of a, a part of the conversation as what you do in the second half, it still matters. If you can't have that team ready to go, like is that how it's going to be every year under Kenny Payne, even when we get quote-unquote good? Are we still going to have slip-ups to bad teams in December and November just because it's a it's a work in progress? It just it makes None of that makes any sense. Texas, are we forgetting about the Virginia and Pitt losses already? No, we're not forgetting about them. <laughs> we're not forgetting about them. They just, you know, a little bit of recency bias. The Virginia game was what? Begin very beginning of the year. God, that feels like it was like three weeks ago. It was actually only twelve days ago. And Virginia, we talked about teams that have been playing poorly since beating us. You know, Virginia hammered us, beat us by twenty-four. They were coming off of a twenty-two point loss to Notre Dame. They have now lost back to back games. NC State beat them by sixteen and Wake Forest beat them by nineteen. So they're when they're losing, they're not coming close to beating anybody. Now it should be said. All of their losses this year have come away from home. They've not lost inside John Paul Jones Arena, and we played them in Charlottesville. So they come here at the end of that brutal stretch that we've got coming up where we play Carolina, Wake Forest, and Duke. Our next game is against Virginia, and it's at home. The records say that Virginia should come here, and that should be a close game, maybe a game that we should win because Virginia's not coming like they're not coming close to beating anybody, not even good teams, anybody on the road. So if they come into our building and they beat us by 20 again, I that's another one where you're like, okay, this is just it's not working. This isn't the guy. This isn't the group. Nothing's happening well. Texas says you certainly can't deny that the effort is much improved and encouraging, but the biggest concerns for me still show themselves at times like the close uh the close of the game against NC State when they wasted time before fouling in a three-point game, then after a timeout they come down the court like it's the start of the second half. That's all coaching. Yeah. Like these are the types of things that we we go crazy about if it's a normal game because you're exactly right. Like we, it's like we didn't know to foul. Danny Manning's going nuts. Danny Manning's like on the floor. He's like, you've got to foul. You've got to foul. It's a three point game and there's like 25 seconds left and we let eight or nine seconds run off the the clock. And then after NC State hits a couple of free throws, it's a five point game. We've got the ball. There's like 11 seconds left. We're running three man weave at the top of the top of the key, just like just taking time off the clock, and then finally the crowd's like, what What are you doing? And Tyler Johnson launches a 28-footer. That can't have been what was discussed at, at the, the halftime. Maybe it was at, at this point. But stuff like that is, it does come down to coaching, and it does come down to you know, clearly 
pointing in the direction of, of having a guy who's in over his head because no competent head coach has those two things happen at the end of the game. We also had, once we got, almost got all the way back to even, we had two straight possessions where our big gra- our, our big transfers, who'd played, you know, Sky Clark and Trey White had their moments where the, the ball, they kind of became black holes on offense. They just refused to pass. But when we were making our big run, they both played pretty well, I thought. Sky did a good job at driving and dishing. But we had two straight possessions where Sky got the ball in his hands, dribbled a bunch, and then just decided to go one-on-one and missed a tough, heavily contested eight-footer in the lane. And then Trey White, I don't know what he's thinking, decides he's going to back his guy down. I'm not even going to look to pass. I've got Curtis Williams wide open for a three, but I'm taking this fadeaway jumper, and I think he got partially blocked or he airballed it, whichever one. Man, how good was Curtis? Curtis Williams is my guy on this team. Yeah, Curtis Williams, he's a guy that – the offensive game is there. Like he just has the smooth shot. He was the the first exhibition game where he played. I was like, okay, this guy can play. Like you, you just can tell. He's got the picture perfect shooting form. He's clean when he finishes around the rim. Now, what's going to have to improve? Because I I do think whether it's here or somewhere else, he's going to be a big time college player. The defense has to get a lot better because he doesn't he doesn't really guard anybody. But that's as much on coaching as it is anything anything else. Like you've got to find a coach who's going to pull your ass if you're not guarding. And you have to have a coach who's going to tell you things like, I don't know, your basic defensive stance. Open up those hips. Like, don't you know, don't play up on a guy who can go right around you. He doesn't seem to know any of those things. So, I think again, whether it's here with a new head coach or somewhere else, like he's going to get better defensively. It's like Jordan Moore when he first came here as a freshman, just didn't know how to play defense. And when he put in the effort, he was a a good enough defensive player. He was always going to be more of an offensive guy. I think Curtis Williams is kind of the same way, but he's. His offensive game is so polished for a kid as young as he is. And I think part of the reason why we've been playing better the last couple of weeks is because he's been forced into playing more minutes. You can't take him out. He's he's that good. I, hope, I, I think he should probably start the next game. As, look, love you, Danilo, but you're not really giving us very much. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Whatever's on your mind, hit us up on the Thornton's text line. We'll take some more from you guys after the break here on the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Back in. Happy holiday to you. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 96 the Big X. Talking some men's basketball the last hour or so. Celebrate the Lions at the beginning of the show. Have not mentioned it. Uh, well, we did mention it in passing, but have not talked in depth about the UVL women's basketball team getting the job done again yesterday. 83-62 over visiting Wake Forest. Uh, the Demon Deacons winless. In the ACC, the uh, L women, by virtue of winning that game and by virtue of uh, this weekend's results, now the only undefeated team in the ACC. The cards are 4-0, and 15-2 overall. They jumped two spots in this week's AP Top 25 poll up to number 13. We've mentioned this a couple of times, but their, their schedule in the conference is a little bit backloaded. They played a couple of good teams, uh, namely Miami, in December. But the best teams in the ACC besides UofL, the NC State's, the Virginia Tech's, Notre Dame's very good again this year. They're going to play all of those teams 
coming up here in uh, in February. They will play North Carolina at the end of the month, who's pretty good. But the U of L women getting it done once again. Also of note, uh, LSU and Haley Van Lith losing to Auburn yesterday. Hate nice. to see it. You, hate to see you, it. You, you hate to see it. And Haley Van Lith, three points in that game. A bunch of turnovers. A bunch of LSU fans saying she's not a point guard. Uh, missed the last second shot. Hmm. You know, grass isn't always greener, Scoots. That's right. The grass is not always greener. That's what they say. And sometimes it's true. That's what I tell myself every time I think about switching off the Reds to another team. I, hey, look at Lions. Yeah, true. Let's say I, you know, I, I, I traded for the Cowboys in like 2000 because the Cowboys have been so good my entire life. Um, you know, well, I still would have had more success. <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> more Lions. playoff trips. But it wouldn't have meant as much. Right. I wouldn't have this moment right now. I wouldn't be riding as high as I am today, puffing out my chest all over the city, just peacocking over these Lions. Uh, it feels good. It feels good. It's an earned moment. For every Lions fan today, for sure. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sacks line. If you got thoughts on anything, hit us up. We have a couple of football recruiting notes that we'll get to um, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. New edition from the transfer portal that I'm very excited about. We'll discuss that. And also some uh, transfer portal ranking updates coming your way. I tell you what, before we get to the text line, let's do Coaching Search Canada of the Day. How about that? We have not done it today. We. I'm thinking you need to pick one. Okay. You never get to pick one. I won't so, look. So oh. what list are you using today? I'm not... I'm not even going to think about it. I'm going to do net rankings, but I'm not going to pull it up yet. We'll do, if you're just joining us for the first time, first of all, where have you been? But second of all, people always want coaching search nuggets. They're always in. And I was like, I don't have anything new. And if I do have something new, I can't give it to you. So we're just making stuff up. We have a different coaching candidate of the day every single day. And we just sort of make up a rumor based on a a random selection. So I'm going to use the net rankings today. I'm going to go with number 15 in the net rankings. We haven't had a major candidate yet. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what I'm hearing. This is a big one. <laughs> this is a funny one. Fire up the message boards. After taking over for a legend, some say he has not reached the pinnacle yet and he's well on his way, but he might just leave before he gets there because why not jump to another ACC school that is also looking for a coach to reach the pinnacle? John Shire. You look at the wrong rankings. What? No. I got the. I have the net rankings pulled up right here. I'm looking at the net rankings. I am too. Dude, how how could they be different? You're looking at the previous ranking. Oh my gosh. Fifteen is another. Is an even bigger legend. Okay. We're talking about you know, we've said a few times that coaches that have won national titles before, they're they're few and far between, and they're not going anywhere. But I'm hearing that Bill Self of the Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> Feels like he could take his career to another level with a move to an even bigger program. He just wants a new challenge. He wants a new challenge. Yeah. He's he's done it all in Lawrence. He's tired of the Big 12. He wants to be an ACC guy. Bill Self's now on the list. He, they, they are number 15 in the current net rankings. They are one spot behind Duke, uh, one spot ahead of Illinois, two spots behind Creighton. Bill Self's on the list. I, I feel like he's the new front runner. Fire up the message boards, folks. Bill Self, palpable buzz that he wants the local job. It's out there. Wow, go figure. It was the uh, NCAA website I was on for net rankings, and they got it wrong. Well, are you looking at – so am I. Are you you looking at the previous rankings? I think that's what you're looking at. No, I mean, it's the first one that pops up. I type in net rankings. I know, but they've got – there's two numbers right next to the schools. You've got rank on the far left and then previous right next to it, and I think you're Uh, looking at previous. I was looking at previous. Yes, because previous previous next to Duke is 15. Dang it, I messed that whole thing up. You kind of did. My fault. It's okay. The the biggest piece of coaching news we've had on the show forever, you just stomped all over (laughs) it. Bill Self. 
I hope Kansas fans find this. I, I hope that they you know, fire them. Some joker in Louisville is saying Bill Self wants the Cardinal job. I have a way of embarrassing myself when it comes to coaches. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, just curious because I, I didn't get a chance to hear the show this morning. Mm-hmm. But Kentucky did lose to Texas A&M in overtime. Yep. I was uh, stomping around the mall, following it on my phone as it was happening. We left like right before the end of regulation. And Mary's like, do you want to stay for the game? I'm like, it's the, it's the end of a college basketball game. It's going to be 25 more minutes before we get out this door. What was the the, the KRC mood? Because that's a it's a game. I think they were actually an underdog going in. It's not a it's not it's not a terrible loss. But if you're talking about this team as like a legit Final Four national title contender, a little bit dicey there in, in, in the overtime. Maybe the end of regulation. How, how were they feeling? How, how what was the TJ and Roush reaction to the loss? Well, it, it was hard to figure it out because TJ was much like you. He all he wanted to do was talk Packers this morning. He was, <laughs> he was hype about the Packers. And I, I, I can understand. I, yeah, I understand it as well. It's but now overall, I I didn't get an overwhelming sense of like panic or worry or I think the overall sentiment was probably somewhere in the ballpark of just it's hard to win on the road I mean yeah and it was a clunker at the end of that game and they didn't didn't put up much offense but no I thought the mood of the show this morning was pretty good Got them 97 points to a team that hadn't scored more than uh, yeah yeah 68 in a few weeks about that yeah I mean their whole thing is and that it should be Kentucky fans as a whole. Aaron Bradshaw has to stay out of foul trouble. He does. Yeah, the, the other centers are just yeah. not not good. Enough. And Bradshaw is, is is he's better as a freshman than I thought he was going for to be. sure. Um, first of all, let me just say like I would be as excited as I was talking about the Lions. I would be much more willing to put Lions talk aside and talk about my favorite college basketball team if they were like top ten right now. Which is what it's like compare TJ's situation with my situation, where it's like <laughs> net ranking. By the way, Louisville number two thirty six right now. Versus Kentucky, I think is their number eighteen in the net. We did jump two spots yesterday, nice. two thirty-five to two thirty. We are now one spot behind six and nine Cal State Fullerton from the Big West, and one spot ahead of six and ten Mount St. Mary's out of the MAAC. So, yeah, pretty good, making strides. Where's Dayton in the in the, the net? I mean, where's uh not Dayton DePaul in the net rankings? They are oh they're two eighty-eight. God, Indiana's ninety-seven. Indiana's Jeez. computer rankings are not very good. They're not good on. Ken Palm, they're not good in the net. IU's got their work cut out for them mm-hmm. to make the tournament. They're going to have to hold Looked serve at home. Looked good on Friday? They did look good on Friday. They're going to have to hold ser- a serve at home, and they're going to have to um, pull some ro- road wins, which is not something that they've done no. since the, the Michigan win back in December. They, t- this is Purdue week, isn't it? It is. Yeah, they play tomorrow. Ooh, how are you feeling on, about that? On Peacock, so get, oh get your Peacock subscription. Is this one at home or is this in uh, Lafayette, West Lafayette? Uh, that's a great question. You should know, Scoots. I just know that we play. I, I'm doing good to know that we play Purdue, Mike. Well, I mean, it's a big game. It's a big game. Big rivalry game. Uh, it looks it like is at Indiana. It's in Bloomington. Yeah. So this will be, first of all, we may be off the air early for this you know, if it's a 630 tip. Or whatever uh, so seven. Seven? Okay. So, yeah. Because I just realized I was alerted to the fact over the weekend that we were supposed to be off at 530 on Friday because Indiana, the Indiana game. And you know you got to tell me these things, or else I'm going to talk at six o'clock. Yeah, I did. I, oh, to- I wasn't here. Yeah, not I, my fault. No, it was not your fault. Rashawn <laughs> was here. I mean, I've been told earlier in the week, but then nobody hit me up, so you know, nobody cut us off at five thirty. So, sorry. What do you want me to say? But yeah, IU is uh, what twelve and five, four and two. They need to a uh, win over Purdue, whether it's at home or on the road, would go go far. Yeah, I mean, created that NCAA tournament. Really it's well. not going to happen at Purdue. Well, I said that last year too, and it happened. But if it's going to happen, it has to be at home. Yeah, Big Ten's looking good. Plenty of opportunities to get some some quad one wins, oh, but yeah. they probably need to make it happen right now. 
Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Hit us up there. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, let's see here. Can't read that. Says, We've shot the ball way above our heads the last three games and still lost two of three. The shooting is going to come back down to earth. The defense is going to continue to be atrocious, and the improvement conversation will fade away as it should. I tend to agree with you. I mean, if you remember after the the pit game, a, a game where we trailed from virtually start to finish and ended up losing by 13 on our home floor, Louisville shot 52% from the field in that game, and Kenny Payne came out afterwards and is like, you look at these shooting percentages and you're like, how did we lose this game? And I'm like, it's not that difficult of a rhetorical question. We don't defend anybody. If you don't guard and you turn the ball over too much, you're going to lose that game. That's exactly what happened to us. And I think the texture's right. We're getting guys right now that are shooting the ball, and maybe it's because you've had a heavy injection of Curtis Williams, who is a good shooter, and you've had Mike James has been lighting it up from beyond the arc. You're going to eventually have those those averages regress. That's what the season says. And if the defensive effort doesn't pick up, you're going to keep giving up 85 points to average offensive teams, and we're probably going to have a couple of games coming up these next few weeks where we get blown out because we're just not not shooting the ball that well. I'll give props to like Kevin Keats after the game on Saturday basically said we weren't going to let Mike James beat us from beyond the arc. And Mike James did not shoot the three that great for parts of last year and started off this season being a, you know, his percentages were really down from beyond the arc. The, the shooting numbers were just not good. And he's been lights out the last couple of weeks. And, and I think that opposing coaches maybe haven't watched that film and just have not corrected because you, like Miami let Mike James shoot it wherever he wanted to. Oh, yeah. And even in the the, the, the pit in the, the the game before Virginia, not Kentucky, but um, one of those games where James uh, Pepperdine, like guys were just leaving him wide open when they were playing zone. And he's kind of been the team's only consistent three-point shooter this season, at least up until recently when Curtis has been playing more minutes. And so Kevin Keats was like, you know, if James can beat us getting to the bucket consistently, that's fine. But we're just not going to let him shoot threes. And he only got off two three-point attempts in this game. He scored 20 points because he got to the free throw line effectively. Did a good job. Was 5 of 10 from the field. But, you know, I don't know if you knew this, Scoots. Three is more than two. And yeah. Keats, Keats is doing the math. And he's like, if you're going to beat us, you know, take a bunch of shots inside the arc. And it worked out pretty well. He also did, I thought they did a decent job on Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. NC State, if they've got a weakness, they're not a good interior defensive team. Um, they've got DJ Burns, but his his lack of mobility hurts them a little bit defensively. He's not a very good rebounder either, and there's not a whole lot else there in terms of front court size. So I, I thought this was going to be a game where Huntley Hatfield could really assert himself, and he did for the most part. Our issue is, I think sometimes we forget he exists on offense. It's like he'll come down, he'll have a really good move. He'll score, and the next possession he'll get like an offensive rebound and put it in, and then we just go away from him. We just do the thing where we just dribble around the perimeter, and then somebody takes a forced 16-footer, and it uh, it really annoys me. But still, he ended up with 13-10. and 10. He outplayed Burns for the most part. Um, I mean, Burns had a good game. He's a, he's a good player. He had five assists because he just has such a good feel for the game. He's a fun player to watch, too. It's like watching a, a mini uh, Troy Jackson, a big Escalade back in the day. He's... Who didn't want to watch a like a three hundred pound dude wheeling and dealing in, in, on the block? He's great, but Huntley Hatfield played well. Sky Clark was eh, he was still kind of hit or miss. He made a couple bad decisions late. Hit a couple big threes though. That's but, been every game for him though, right? It is. Um, yeah, it, it's 
he's there's things that he does well. Like, I think he makes the offense go better than anybody else can. But at times, you just wish you could just like be like, okay, man, like you're trying. I, I think he wants to do so much out there that it gets in his own head a little bit, and at times it, it results in him forcing the issue, which he just does not need to do because he's not he's not that type of player. He's a good player, but he's not a guy who can go out there and just get you forty. Like he's not that type of point guard, and I think that he still has that belief in himself, which is it's great to be confident, but sometimes there's a little too much. And it's also on the coaching staff, I think, to reel you back in and say, we need you to use your teammates a little bit more. Texture says, is it true that Vince Marrow, the big dog, declined the Bama job? That's the rumor. That's the rumor. I heard the same thing, yeah. You got to keep him around. You get like, you can't lose the recruiting war in the state of Kentucky with Jeff Brom here, so you can't lose him to Bama. You got to pay him. $16 million a year if you're Kentucky. It's the way that it works. What's the Did TJ and Roush talk about these Liam Cohen rumors that are out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's their feel? Um, You know, Mike, I'm going to have to start paying a little better attention. It's fine. It's fine. To Kentucky it's, roll. If, that's, if, if, if you, I were you, I, I, would, I would do the same if thing. If you've taught me one thing today, i got to listen better when I do the morning show. It's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I've heard there's some disconnect between Cohen and – and Stoops, and the yeah. big rumor was that Cohen was, he said, you know, there's no way that I'll only leave after just one year at UK, this this go-round, and then there was talk that he might jump for the Bears or, or wherever, but now it's the, they're back and they're good, and who knows. Well, I, they, I mean, they're just mostly mad that Cohen basically said when he got reintroduced to the team that he was in for long haul, right. it wasn't going to be a one-year deal again, and then now I guess he's out looking. I mean, realistically, he's not going to get that Bears job. So, fortunately for them, I think they might have Liam Cohen next year again, which would – if they got rid of – or if he left, they'd have five offensive coordinators in five years. It's too much. Granted, one of them was the same, but still. I did see TJ. He was saying, you know, if Cohen does leave, let's go get Will Stein. I was like, oh, God, that, mm-hmm. would, that would break Yeah, that's what he wants. I don't think that Will Stein would go there. I mean, he's – I know it's a pay raise, but Stein is – he's at Oregon. He can win a national title there. He can also position himself for, I think when he does jump to a, a head coaching position, it's going to be for a high-profile job. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a tough sell. But if they did get – well, it would break my heart. I mean, that's a – it's a it's a guy that I like a lot personally. He's a Trinity boy. He's a Louisville walk-on. He's a meme legend. Sonny Wilstein was was fantastic here. I mean, Will's uh, – he's Louisville through and through. He dated Jennifer Lawrence at one point. That's a Louisville man right there. Mm-hmm. And we can't lose him to Kentucky. That can't happen. I love Will. I want him to come home at some point. Be on Jeff's staff. Whenever Brian leaves, come coach the Louisville offense. <laughs> and then you can go be a coach. Texas says, tuna salad. Classic Gill. Classic Gill. It's classic Gill. I got to know more about Gill. I, I, I really do want to meet Gill at some point. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't meet him at the golf show. I can't believe it either. I don't know. Texas, I can't help but think about the movie St. Ralph when we talk about miracles to save KP's job. Too long didn't read. Kid is told that it'll take a miracle to save a family member's life, so he decides to run a marathon because he heard it would be a miracle if he finished, or something along those lines. I've never, I've never heard of the movie Saint Ralph. <laughs> sounds like a great premise. It sounds like a very thinly developed plot, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, go Saint Ralph. Maybe we'll have to watch Saint Ralph. Texas says. 11 wins, and there's little doubt that KP should get a year three. That would be 17 total wins. This is my hypothetical, where if we went 11 and four, to answer your question. He said, I think nine more wins makes a somewhat decent argument. 15 wins total. I don't think it's enough, but it's enough to make a somewhat valid argument. Bletch, in my opinion. Yeah. 
again, when we have these conversations, we're not talking about me personally. This, this isn't the hypothetical of like I'm the AD. We're talking about, well, one, like what I would think, and then two, what I think Josh Hurdle would do. If we went nine and six to end the regular season, and then maybe won a game in the conference tournament, that puts you at a, a 16 and 17 overall record going into the offseason. I could see a situation where Josh Hurd chooses to give Kenny Payne a year, a year three. I wouldn't agree with it. I certainly would be more on board with it than if he gave him a year three after like a nine and twenty three season. But I can see there is a there's a scenario where I can see that taking place. It makes me a little bit nervous. Like this is you know, this is this is the question about can you cheer for this team, but also recognize that getting just good enough to put this conversation back on the the forefront of the Louisville sports discussion could wind you up in a situation where you're you're in limbo where Kenny makes it awkward where Kenny makes it weird where it's like hey is 15 and 16 good enough for a year three I don't know I mean that's uh, this is this is the world that we live in right now I think the next next couple weeks we'll figure out whether or not this is even a valid discussion but for right now they've played well enough the last two games to make it be a talking point again Texas, thank you, Brad Underwood, for tuning into the show. Yeah, the, the texture that may be an Underwood. We need to check that number. That may be an Underwood family member. I mean, Brad Underwood a couple of years ago, I think, would be a high-profile candidate. He had a lot of buzz going to Illinois. But he would be, if you can't get on the Mick Cronin bandwagon for lack of NCAA tournament success, then I have no idea how you can get on the, the Brad Underwood bandwagon because he's had even less NCAA tournament success, a lot less NCAA tournament success. Texas says, I made the first mistake of watching a Baylor game this weekend. Now, even though I know it's unlikely, I need Scott Drew at Louisville. Like, I need to breathe air. They play a very fun style. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they play hard. They play tough-nosed defense. Not as much the last couple of years since Tang left. Um, but, yeah, you watch you watch Scott Drew coast teams, and it makes you feel worse about your own team, and it does make you wish that he – would come here and coach your team. They're 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 fun to watch. Um, TJ says Iowa doesn't go first for Democrats anymore. They switched to South Carolina first last year. That's right. He, he, TJ's right. Only Bush, Carter, and Obama won Iowa and won the White House. Hmm. Also, he texted me on the personal line and told me Kentucky doesn't do caucuses; they do primaries. Right. We yeah we we vote. Most states don't do caucuses, um, but we do have a. A primary election, which nobody pays attention to. The caucus is crazy. What's the difference? I, I, I just don't understand the difference. Basically, so caucuses are like people will like literally go to like a courthouse and like in every county in Iowa. And like this is, I'm not making this up. Like people will go to like some gigantic area and they will say, everybody for like Donald Trump, go stand over here. Everybody for Nikki Haley, go stand over here, and, and so forth and so on. And then when they're done with like the first round, the la- the person with the least amount of votes will will be out. Like they're they're gone. And so all of the people that voted for, let's say, Vivek Ramaswamy, and he's the first one out. They now the, the next round of they have to pick somebody new. And so they keep doing this until you end up with like one person, and that's who that county nominates for 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 the candidate and then whoever has the most uh, you know they end up getting the nomination from iowa so that's how it works it's, isn't that kind of weird so caucasian or caucasians caucuses are more like hands-on 
I guess precinct is the right word, not not uh, not county. Yeah, I mean, I kind of would like to be part of one. I think it would be fun. I told you when I um, the, the Iowa caucus has been such a big deal, and it's it's led to so much attention out there. The newspaper that I worked for in Carroll, Iowa, when I was in college, like because Iowa is so important to the the electoral process, the my editor, like Doug Burns. He got to interview like Obama. He got to interview like George H. W. Bush, George W. Bush, like all like all, all these big time presidential candidates have come through little old Carroll, Iowa, and he's gotten to you know, take advantage of that a little bit, which is is kind of cool. It's like once every four years, we we get a lot of national attention. So yeah, we'll we'll find out tonight how it goes. I mean, I think we can all kind of predict, but we'll find out. Uh, Texter says, Mister Dingus really is the most clueless person ever. Maybe even more than Trevor. If there's one thing I don't know anything about, it's politics. That's fine. Uh, politics and working on cars, those are my two bugaboos. I will never know anything about either of those. Yeah. Uh, Texas, it's called the primaries. Yeah. Texas, after the Lions' big victory last night, should we be looking for another Rutherford child in nine months? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can safely say no. Y'all are done. Uh, no, I'm not oh, okay. saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> in exactly nine months, no. <laughs> there, there will not be a new one. Texture says, uh, Liam Cohen leaving UK again. Interesting. Suck it, Stoops. I don't think that's actually happening, but yeah, I don't know. Texture says, uh, last text about the Lions. No, please bring more. This is, it's a Lions show. Last text <laughs> about the Lions. My dad is from Detroit and is the worst person to watch games with because he was born in 47 and was 10 the last time they were legit good. He couldn't watch the game last night because of the pressure. I called him afterward to recap, and he said, oh, and Teddy had a great catch on the sidelines. <laughs> My dad said Campbell was a genius calling a pass play to uh, to the backup quarterback on the sideline. I said it was just a throwaway out of bounds. That's kind of like the reaction that you had when I said Teddy yeah, caught a pass last night. For you're like, sure. You're like, damn, Dan Campbell getting real creative. Which, uh, if there's going to be any coach in the NFL do that, it would be Dan Campbell. I did love the fact that like on every punt, it didn't matter if we were like, it was like fourth and seven from our own 23 the Rams had were in full, you know, like like safety package. They had like ten guys in, in like the the neutral zone, just ready to go, ready to 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 make sure that the Lions weren't going to do something crazy. It's uh, yeah, it, it it's certainly fun. It's also a little bit terrifying. Like when they went for it on fourth and three, the touchdown pass to Sam Laporta. I, you knew that what they were going for. I just didn't. I felt like they were setting it up with three runs. I'm like, I feel like we could have done this on second or third down. Run it on first and just throw it the next three plays. Uh, I didn't get why we had to do that, but it worked out. The man loves going for it on fourth down, and he loves trickery. It's a lot of fun, but it also leads to some some frustrating results sometimes. I also will say that the Lions winning yesterday and the Cowboys getting blitzed and the Lions ending up getting to have home field advantage in the, the, the divisional round is one of the biggest ball-don't-lie moments <laughs> in recent history because we got absolutely screwed in Dallas and it worked itself out. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It worked itself out. It's fine. Brad Allen, you're off the hook. I still hate you, but you're <laughs> off the hook. Five o'clock hour is coming up next. We'll talk a little football at the top of the hour and then get to your thoughts. We've got NFL playoffs underway today. We've got a college basketball update as well. It's all coming your way. Final hour of the Rutherford Show up next here on the Big X. Girl, 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 you know you're my world. All right, now lose it. Ah! Just lose it. Ah! 
say And I'm locked up, I'm in jail And I don't know what happened They say I was running back naked Down the street screaming ah! Here's Did You Know Trivia Time. Start the 5 o'clock hour here. Did you know that Eminem's from Detroit? I did. <laughs> Trivia Time for you. Did you know all the artists I've played today are from Detroit? I did not. I haven't been paying attention. I'm sorry. I, I went with the Detroit theme today. I like it. Just I, for you. I appreciate that. They definitely hammered home the, the Eminem thing last night. To a point, I think it's cool. Like Eminem on Twitter, his account has basically just been, it's devolved into a Lions fan account. He'll have like a sponsored tweet. Because he has to. And then every other thing is just like, Lions did it. Go Lions. It's like, I'm like, that's cool. But the the pregame stuff last night, it was like, like it's like, here's Eminem. Like, here's an Eminem song. And then, like, the actual lead into the game is like, here's Eminem doing the the narration for I was like, okay. <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a little overkill, but whatever. I'm fine with it. It's been a long time. I did like his video uh, plea into Stafford. Hey, we supported you all these years. Just let us have this one. Yeah. It was, it was nice. We, the, the stars were all out. The Lions advance. Uh, my team is into the divisional round. Your team, it just uh, looks like, is is now down 14 nothing to the Oh, the thanks for ruining it. My my stream's a little behind. Thanks, Mike. My apologies. Appreciate it. I, that means this is a bomb here. 35 yards right <laughs> up the middle of the field. End zone score. Yeah, good call there, buddy. Sorry. Both <laughs> scores for the Bills, by the way, to tight ends. Dawson Knox and Kincaid both have one. Yeah. It's fun though when they when Buffalo does score, everybody throws snow up in the air. Yeah, makes a, it look like it's snowing. It's a cool scene. It it's is looking like that one might get it out of hand. Fourteen nothing. I don't know if the Steelers have the. That may be an, that may be an insurmountable two touchdown lead up there in Buffalo. We won't score fourteen. I mean, the the offense isn't capable of scoring fourteen. And you're probably right. The first three drives have been awful. Not great. Bills are kind of rolling. Bills are. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they found their stride. Everybody, you know, counted them out as of six weeks ago. And now they're. I think they're a deal. Legit contender in the AFC. We've got that going on. We've got college basketball. We have a final in the only top 25 game, or only game with a top 25 team today. Marquette uh, rallies in the second half, takes care of business with a 87-71 win over visiting Villanova. Uh, A774, I should say, over visiting Villanova. We had Michigan toppling Ohio State earlier today. we got LaSalle and St. Joe's playing right now. Iowa and Minnesota will tip things off at 6 o'clock. And what's kind of one of those, you know, an important game for those two teams in the Big Ten, two teams that are a little bit middling, maybe need that uh, that win on their resume for the NCAA tournament to get into the first four or something like that. Only ACC game of note tonight is Notre Dame versus Boston College. That's 7 o'clock tip-off on ESPNU. Yeah, the Big East, they started doing the MLK Day Marathon. Uh, I, the, the one game that I remember was, I think it was in 2012, I, I think it was the team that ended up going to the Final Four, we, we were, it was when they were really struggling. We got up big on Marquette, and then Marquette went on like a 27-2 run in the second half and ended up winning by like 12 or 13. And I'll never forget, like, a buddy of mine, he, you know, he was a donor at UofL, and they would do these things where like one game, every like, they, they, a donor would get to go with the team, fly on the team plane, like sit behind the bench for a road game, and, and then fly back with the team. And he's like, you know, we're there. It's like a vacation for us. Like, we're enjoying the, you know, we lost the game, but whatever. This is still a cool experience. He's like, the entire ride home. He's like, Rick Pitino's the most angry person I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, he's cussing everybody out. He's cussing the assistants out. He's cussing the players out. He's like, we just, by the time, like, you know, we're 30 minutes in this flight. We just want it to be over. We just want to get back. It's not fun anymore. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's like, you do very much feel part of the team, though, which would be quite the experience. Speaking of flight, remember the story I told you last week about Gambia? And, yeah, their, and yes. their small engine plane. So they finally played Senegal today, a game they were supposed to play last week. Lost three to nothing. Maybe should have just stayed at home. 
I blame the airlines. By the way, is is MLK Day? Is it always like this in terms of sports? I don't ever remember. I mean, we've already had like five or six NBA games go final. Same thing for hockey. I don't know if I ever remember this. I think it's a new trend. Like, I, I, I mean, I love it. Just play sports all day. It's great. I do remember when college basketball tried to kind of take it over. I mean, and now any holiday that's out there, sports are trying to take it over. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like college basketball was the first one. Now, the NFL thing is only because they had the game postponed. Sure, yeah. Yesterday, they, they always plan on having the Monday night game between the Eagles and the Bucks, but you know we weren't supposed to have afternoon football. Maybe next week we go with the like earlier start time for the night game. That'd be fun, right? Maybe instead of like eight thirty or whatever it would be, just put it on at six. Five thirty-six. I think it's already locked in, but yeah, we can make some changes because the Lions are going to play at three on Sunday. Which three? Uh, they're playing at three. That's and, weird. And then I think the second game is like seven thirty. So that's strange start times. Yeah, I I don't like I, I don't know the the game tonight is eight fifteen. The game's next week. Texans versus uh, TBD is going to be at four thirty kickoff on Saturday. Packers Niners is locked into Saturday night at eight fifteen. Lions game against either the Eagles or the Bucks will be at three o'clock on Sunday, and then the last game um, will be Sunday at six thirty. That's awesome. Is the kickoff time? I love that six thirty start. The NFL gets it. I mean, yeah, the the Super Bowl kicks off at like six fifteen. Yeah, that's the, always fun. Yeah. You want to max? You know, I don't know why baseball has to. If World Series first pitch on the East Coast is like nine o'clock. It's mm-hmm. like, hey kid, you want to stay up till twelve fifteen? It's really really annoying that they do that. Even the national title game on Monday yeah. night is like it, it tips off at like eight fifteen, which feels way too late. But NFL, they get it. It's why they dominate. It's why they're king. We'll find out. I feel like that's a. It's sort of a. It's a weird situation for the Ravens to be in because they could either play Saturday at 4.30 or Sunday at 6.30. Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. I do like that the Lions, regardless of who they play, they get an extra day of rest because yeah. you know it, it matters at, at this point in time. You want that? You want, you want Every advantage you can get, you want to go for. God, I, I was trying to – Mary and I were talking about it last night because she finally woke up for the very end of the game. Like, like, oh, I, she did? She, no, she woke up when I was as I was celebrating. Oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm like in front of the TV. She's like, what happened? I'm like, we won by one. <laughs> and then she was kind of mad that she missed it, but I'm like, oh, it wasn't going to wake you up. And so we watched like the, all the post-game stuff together, and we are talking about it, and she's like, so like, how many games do they have to win to get to the Super Bowl, and like, you know, what's, the, what's the situation now? And I started talking about it, and I realized how my mind just can't even grasp the concept of the Lions playing the Super Bowl. Like, just for a split second, having that visual of, you know, the, the lead into the game and the graphic with, like, the Lions and the Super Bowl versus the Ravens or whoever they would play, it's just like my my mind can't process it. I can't let my brain go to that place right now. I'm just trying to live for the moment. But even playing for the NFC Championship, I feel like I would be the biggest bundle of nerves um, regardless of who we played. Niners seems more likely. I don't think that we – like, I don't think the Lions are on the Niners level yet. But just to make it to that point would be so awesome. Would you be torn apart if the Lions made it to the Super Bowl and had to play the Ravens? Would that like I would hate it. I would, yeah. it, it would suck. Like where would your loyalty lie? Obviously with the Lions. Sure. Like I, I would because a couple people were asking me that last night. Like what, what do you do with the Lions? I'm like I'm, I'm a Lions fan. Like it's the same as when Teddy was in our division. It sucked having to play him twice a year every year because the, the you know the Vikings were kind of the top dog there and we were fighting with them. To you know, because we had some good teams when Teddy was first getting going. Like that sucked, but I still was was rooting for the Lions. It's it's my team. You got to do what right. you got to do. But I would hate being, especially if it came down to like this crap narrative of, of Lamar being overrated and you know he's never going to win a Super Bowl because he's more of a running back than he is a quarterback. And then you all. And if him. the Lions were the ones that kept <laughs> it from happening, I would feel terrible because Lamar is my favorite player. I love him. And I, you know, if the, if the Lions don't win, if we get knocked off next week, I'll be you know. 
my loyalties will immediately shift to the Ravens for sure. Sure. But yeah, it, it would be fitting that I would have at least like even like a small part of me that would feel bad for the Lions winning a Super Bowl. It's like Catholic guilt. Like you have Lions guilt. That's the way it mm-hmm. is. But yeah, I, I would not hold back. I would, I would hope that Lamar would play bad for the first time in my life. I would, I would, that would have to be my hope. And I would, actually, I would hope that we would win like 63 to 60. But I want us to win for sure. So we've got that going on. NFL playoffs rolling along. College basketball rolling on. Who's the NHL game right now? You said there's hockey? Oh, there's already, yeah, there's four. I think LA, LA's playing right now. They're not good, so I don't really pay attention to that. Um, but, yeah, there was, four, I think, four games finalized already earlier today. The Lanch played tonight against the, the, the Canadians. The Lanch are kind of, you know. Kings Hurricanes right now. Kings Hurricanes, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the only game going. And there was five of them already final today. Lanch have steadied the ship a little bit recently, but we've been, we need Landis Gawk back. We're okay. I feel good about us making a run once once the once the playoffs get here. It'll be fine. NHL season's long. McKinnon's awesome. I love McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon's a beast. I mean, of course he is. Whole team. We were wrecked by injuries last year. We've I think we're a little bit underachieving so far. But we we need Landy back. We need him. Miko Rantanen, still a badass. Kel McCarr, still a badass. And choosing, still a badass. We got we have the players. I forgot about McCarr. How could you forget about Kel McCarr? No kidding. He's a man. <laughs> He's the man. Uh, we had some good football news over the weekend. And when we're talking about good football news in this day and age, you know it's the transfer portal. Uh, Jeff Brom, still the portal king. There was a guy that we talked about on Friday Friday's show um, when Rashawn was in here. Jaleel Skinner, the, the, the rumor was out there that he may be looking at Louisville, the tight end transfer from Miami, who originally was an Alabama commit coming out of high school, flipped on National Signing Day. Uh, to to Miami, played very well for them a couple of years ago. Uh, I think caught uh, ten passes for like two hundred and some odd yards and, and had a couple of touchdowns, and then got hurt last year and did not play for them. Sat out, and is is in in the portal. Former four star prospect coming out of high school did pick Louisville on Saturday. Uh, he was a, a former not just a four star guy but a top one hundred prospect from Greer, South Carolina. Six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds. Two uh, started a couple of games for Miami as a true freshman. Uh, did not do much last year, obviously, with the, the, the injury and then opted to redshirt about midway through the year. Had a lot of love coming out of high school. Chose Miami over Bama, Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Oregon. And when you watch him on film, you can see all the skills that made him such a, a highly touted recruit. Um, I'm excited about him. I mean, I know we lost Tanner Koziel, the second tight end to commit to Louisville this offseason, who chose to go back to Ball State. I think bringing... Bringing in Skinner and having him pair with with Mark Redman, Isaiah Cummings coming over from Kentucky, and then bringing back Nate Kariski, uh, having Jamari Johnson back for for a, a redshirt freshman season where hopefully he will take significant steps forward. Dylan Messman coming in as a very highly touted freshman tight end. You feel good about that room moving forward. How many forward. did you just name? Six guys in the tight end room. Look, that was only six? Six guys. And look, Jeff Brom has always used the tight ends in the passing game wherever he's gone. And last year, I think he was incredibly frustrated by that being the weakest position offensively. We just we didn't throw to the tight ends until about midway through the year. We busted them out against Miami. We went down there. Joey Gatewood started playing more as the year went on. We used Nate Kariski. We used uh, Josh Lifson a little bit moving forward. And they tried to play Jamari Johnson in the bowl game against USC, and he kind of didn't know what he was doing, had a big penalty, and was on the wrong side at one point. Louisville had to waste a timeout. But I think they like his talent. I think it's just a matter of him getting down like a pretty intricate playbook. But Jeff Brom, he does not want to ever have a year 
as a head coach again where he feels like he can't use the tight ends the way that he felt like he couldn't use them last year. And so he went out, and you knew he was going to get a couple of guys in the portal, and he's got three, and he's bringing in one of the most highly rated players in this year's class is the tight end who picked Louisville over Michigan and Michigan State. So, yeah, I think you feel better with the tight end position moving forward. Oh, my gosh. Four Steelers finally get like a 40-yard play to a tight end nonetheless, and he freaking fumbles. To the, I'm assuming a it's, a, it's a lost fumble. What a joke! Let's get hang in there. I don't know if I can. I, I'm glad this season's almost over. <laughs> I feel like they, they overachieved just to make the playoffs, right? Like yeah, that, that was a win. Sure. That was your Super Bowl was squeaking yeah. into the playoffs and, and looking like, ha-ha, like we're, everyone knows how bad we are, but we're in the playoffs. Joke's on you. I feel like that was the Steelers fan Super Bowl, which is fine. You had to know how this was going to go. Oh, yeah. I, prob- I was just hoping they'd make it close. It probably wasn't going to go very well. Louisville with Skinner's ac- acquisition, by the way, back up to number one in on three's transfer portal rankings, the number one class in America right now. Obviously, that will change as more players um, pick their new schools. And, and you know, Louisville's ranking is partially a product of, of quantity over quality right now, although they do have six four-star players from the portal. I think at the end of the day, Louisville will still have a top 10 transfer portal class, maybe top five transfer portal class, but they're probably not going to finish at number one. It's, you know, it's, they've got like 32 kids from the portal and it's only slightly hyperbolic. I think it's like 20, 24 at this point, <laughs> a lot of players in the portal coming in for Louisville and a lot of quality coming in as well. But Jeff Brom getting it done, continuing to build the excitement for the 2024 season, which is, is what we have right now. It's a lot more fun to talk about that than it is like, hey, men's basketball only lost by six to NC State. Is this good enough? That's a, a better conversation, but it's also a conversation for another day. Um, Scoots, how are you feeling about uh, – we'll make picks at the end of the show, but what's your excitement level for Eagles-Buccaneers? Because it's – Oh, not. I know. Not like, at all. I wish they'd had a better game as the, the Monday night game. I wish they would have yeah. set aside – like like I know the game ended up not being exciting – but Dolphins Chiefs, I felt like I would have been like all about it, like get the offense going, Same, yeah. Taylor Swift shots, like all that good stuff, like Monday night, like this game. I'm just kind of like, eh, like I guess I'll have it on after we go to the, after we get the kids down. But like, I'm only interested as a fan of a team that's going to play the winner. Like I, that, that's my only interest. Like I'm just the Eagles have been just stumbling wow. into the playoffs. The Buccaneers, it's like cool. Baker Mayfield, kind of a nice little comeback story, but nobody sees them as a realistic Super Bowl contender or anything like that. It just is kind of like a man, whatever game. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to Chiefs Dolphins. That was that was my headliner game for this weekend that I was really looking forward to, and it it didn't really live up to the hype. But I don't know something about this game. Roush was giving me some crap this morning about how I told I they asked if I was going to stay up for it, and I said, "There's no way I'm staying up for a game like this." I and I just I, I I don't care. I don't care enough for that game. I'm already having to build up the, the Louisville game on Wednesday night is nine o'clock. I'm already having to be like. Ooh. Oh. First one of these this year, where I'm like, Ugh. that's the first one. Well, like a weeknight game that's tipping off at nine, where you're like, <laughs> this is it's a long bedtime for for a game that may not bring us much of a reward. But what do you at mean? least you don't have to do radio at seven a.m. Well, that's true. Well, but I, if I were you, I would just be going to sleep early. Maybe. I'll probably hang in there and watch it. Good for you. Good for you. Um, but yeah, that's the 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 Lions will play the Eagles Bucks winner. Next week, Sunday at three o'clock. I'm excited about it. I'm hoping that we can. I'm, I'm hoping both teams just look bad tonight. That's my goal. That's what I want. Thornton Sacks line 502 414 1450. We don't have. We, we talked about the women's win. We talked about the, the, the men's game at length, which is bad. It's weird that there's not 
I don't know. Like, I felt like there would have been more storylines coming out over the weekend, but that's kind of it. Like we we had the controversy in the LIT. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Trinity got what, screwed. What did you feel about that? I mean, Trinity got screwed. TJ said this morning it was an AI picture <laughs> with the red light. Yeah, <laughs> which it was all just fabricated. I, I did love it. in my mentions. <laughs> it was very funny seeing the amount of people because I, I posted the picture. The video was out there, and then I posted the picture of the the ball is clearly still in the young man's hands as the the scoreboard's lit up red indicating that there's no time left on the clock. And the same X fans who were like, I don't know, it looks good to me. Like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like there's another angle where he clearly gets it off. I'm like, no, there's not. But it, it's a tough call for high school officials. I get it. Yeah. But they are instructed. I think Valley is the only school in this area that has a like has one of those shot clock, or not shot clock, but game clocks where when it hits zero, the scoreboard lights up or the backboard lights up. And officials are apparently reported to, when they're officiating a game on a court like this, look for the red light. And like it happens – you almost get the sense that they may have waved it off if the Sanex students hadn't stormed onto the floor. Like the whole team empties on the floor, the whole student section storms onto the floor, and the referees kind of look at each other. They're like, "All right," and they just like run off. It was like, "Well, that's not exactly how you're supposed to handle it." But congrats to Sanex; they did go on to beat Butler in the LIT championship game, first LIT title for the Tigers since 1965, which is kind of wild. I mean, that was before my dad was born. That is wild. Yeah, very wild. Louisville, this uh, the seventh region seems kind of wide open. Trinity's still very good. St. X is obviously good. Manuel, I think, was the highest rated team coming into this. We got Evangel Christian right here where we do the show. They're clearly very good. I think they're sixth region actually, but they're a very Mayo, good local yeah. team. Mail, you have to assume they're going to, to hit their stride. They got some shooters. It'll be a fun, fun last couple of months of high school basketball in this area. But that was uh, that was what one of the cool things that I have enjoyed. This is the only other thing on my list to, that I wanted to mention at the beginning of the show that I just forgot about. Is, and I grew up as somebody who did not like like the Bengals. Even though I'm a Reds fan, the Bengals I just you know, just never had any sort of affection for them. I just chose the Lions at a young age, and they were my team. But the amount of Bengals fans that have reached out to me over the last like 16 hours has been kind of cool because they're like, we went through it two years ago where the Bengals hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years, and in fact, it was Mike Tirico on the exact on the call for their win over the Raiders. And his call was almost the exact same as it was last night. Like somebody put it t- together, it was almost word for word where he was like, "Go crazy, Cincinnati! Your Bengals are advancing in the playoffs for the first time in 31 years." He said the same exact thing for the Lions last night, except it was 32 years. But it was cool seeing all the Bengals fans who were like, "I remember the feeling. It was awesome. Like you can't really understand it unless you've gone through it." And I was like, "That's cool. I appreciate. It. I'm glad you guys got your moment. Hopefully, the the Lions can do what the Bengals did." And parlay, you know, winning a game in the playoffs into a surprise Super Bowl trip. That would be right. a lot of fun. Hopefully, it just would end a little bit better if they go there. But Bengals fans, yeah, I'll, you kind of forget how low they were before the last couple of years. I almost feel like, as a Louisville fan, you deserve it. You you deserve a trip to the Super Bowl. Kind of I mean, kind of level out the whole sports fandom. I mean, I'm a Lions, Reds, and Louisville fan. It's been a rough go. Yeah. It's been a rough go for a while. the The stat that I've brought up a ton, which blew my mind when I first saw it, is. Out of the, the four major sports leagues, before last night, out of the four major sports leagues, the two teams that had gone the longest without advancing a single round of the playoffs were the Lions, 1991, and the Reds, 1990. So those like my two, the only two major sports teams besides the Avalanche that I really care about are legitimately the two most just like playoff-starved franchises in all of major American sports. And thankfully, the Lions broke that trend uh, last night. And then hopefully, we can get the Reds going in the right direction again. You ready for your scooter scooter dingus guarantee? Well, as long as I don't have a good, I I don't don't want to happen because you're zero for one. Yeah, I don't have a good track record, but scooter dingus guarantee Reds advance in the playoffs this year. 
Well, you just guarantee that's not going to happen. No. No. Stick with me. I already, don't, don't give up on me, Mike. I already had kind of low hopes for that going into this year. I think it'll be exciting again, but I, I'm not quite as high as I was hoping I would be going the into this year. The pieces are there. Yeah. I don't. Now, now that you just said that, I feel like there's no way it's going to happen. 502-414-1450. Let's take a couple of uh, texts from you guys before we wrap up the segment. Texas says, would Curtis be your guy if Dennis was still around? Dennis is still my guy. I, I love Dennis Evans. I'll be a, a Dennis fan for life, but that's more of a personality thing. I, I love the, the the goggles. I love the personality. Mm-hmm. I love the big guy. Curtis Williams, from a player standpoint, Curtis is my guy. I, I think he's going to be just a monster. Again, whether it's here or somebody else, uh, somewhere else for the rest of his college career, I, I enjoy I enjoy his game. Big fan. I, I, I do like the big guys that rock the goggles. How can you it's not? It's a great look. How can you not? Yeah. Reminds me of Horace Grant. It was just Dennis. He, Dennis didn't miss a picture. Every time he took a picture, he looked uh, he looked just appropriately lovable. Now, has he still been on the bench for these games? He has not. What's up with that? I think he's uh, like I don't think he ever came back for the second semester. I think he's kind of he's 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 mulling what his move is from this point forward. I think he still probably wants to play basketball. Wasn't it a medical thing? It is a medical thing. But like basically, U of L, U of L said. We can't guarantee that you won't be cleared at some other school, but our doctors cannot clear. Like you will never be cleared to play here at U of L. Never, never. Which, Even with rehab or surgery, whatever's been ailing him. No, which leads me to believe that it's a heart thing. Huh. And that's sad. Probably Marfan syndrome. But you know, there have like like Isaiah Austin, the player who we referenced when this news first came up last week. He was a guy who they discovered that he had Marfan. I think as he was leaving Baylor to go to the NBA. And the NBA did this whole thing where it was like they gave him an honorary draft pick because his basketball career was over. He was never right. going to be able to play. And then a few years after that, he got cleared by some doctor to go play overseas. And he actually played, I think, a couple of years professionally outside of America. So I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that works. But I'm sure the family is exploring all possibilities right now. Didn't that kid from Florida, wasn't he told he would never play again? And then he went on to transfer to, was it Kansas State? To like Keontae Johnson? Yeah. I think that was a little bit of a different. That, that wasn't like a... Like he had myocarditis before. And this is like before like COVID became a thing. It was like right. I knew at the you beginning. were such a doctor. Well, I just remember the story, <laughs> and it was talked about a lot during the NCAA tournament last year. This is like before COVID was like he was like the first one. Like you got these COVID. medical terms down though. Yeah, and he yeah he collapsed at Florida, and then I think they didn't clear him to play at Florida, but he he you know myocarditis for some kids goes away, so he transferred to Kansas State was medically cleared there and became what second team all American last year. He was in, I think he got drafted. Mm-hmm. He's he was he was very good. That was a cool story. But as far as Dennis, like he's not been on the bench. I don't think he's back at U of L. But you know who was um around U of L this weekend? Karan Davis in the stands for ye- for yesterday's women's game <laughs> against Wake Forest. They should he made the national T V broadcast. We're at the we're at my niece's birthday party and they you know, Louisville has a, a big shot to go up by like nineteen or something. And they pan to the crowd, and it's Mike James. And I'm like, I think that was Karan Davis with him. And sure enough, I checked Twitter, and everyone's like, there's Karan Davis. <laughs> so he tweeted after the, the win on Wednesday. I know, like, good win for the boys after Miami. Like, Karan Davis has been more of a fan for, for U of L than I think like, half the fans have been. Uh, he needs to, he should get like an honorary degree if he chooses to go somewhere else and play college basketball. But it's, you know, he's playing pickup with Al Haji Muhammad and Peyton Siva. He still very much is, I think, kind of, he's, he's the fan base loves him. We love Karan Davis. Bring Karan, bring Karan back. Do something with him. Free him. I don't know. Texas says, I went to the game and somehow tickets are now $50 at the window with 8,000 empties. Anyway, much improved play, but the game was lost on three bad defensive stretches. 
Fifty bucks to go to that game seems outrageous. Maybe you should have looked at the online market. Yeah, well, I mean, you you should be able to get when you have eight thousand open seats, like you said, any more than eight thousand open seats. If we're being honest, you should be able to go to a game for like ten bucks, if that. They should be happy to have. I mean, I think there's a there's always a dispute between employees at you know, whether it's college athletics or professional franchise. I mean, I know this from talking to some people that work at for like Lou City and Racing Louisville and stuff. Like there's a kind of behind the scenes argument about is it better to to keep ticket prices high and like make sure you're getting that gate for or do you just want the optics of having like we don't care if they're at, they're even paying like we want a full stadium and I think that it kind of goes back and forth I think if you're Louisville right now you'd prefer I know you need money but is 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 giving away seven thousand tickets really going to do that much to your pockets when you weren't going to sell those anyway like well just, i mean you'll make up for it in concession sales right you'd hope so right you, you especially with the concession prices at the yum center like i think right now you just you need some some nice some wins with the fan base and, and having a close to packed yum center would be a nice win for everybody all right let's take our last break when we come back we'll take as many texts as we can we'll look ahead to the night in the world of sports and then we'll call it a day mike rutherford and justin Kalen here with you on the monday edition of the rutherford show here on 1450 the big x Detroit Monday. You're on the Mike Rutherford Show. Celebrating the Lions, advancing in the playoffs for the first time since 1992. 1991 season. 92 a year. Who's, uh, who's Nick Roush's NFL team? Uh, he's a Steelers fan. With was, me. He strikes me as a Steelers guy. Yeah, no, but that was just determined, I want to say, maybe three years ago. He did like a NFL team draft lottery because he didn't have a team. So it came down to, I want to say it was Bengals. Titans, Steelers, maybe Browns in there as well. I can tell you it came down to Titans and Steelers, and then I don't even remember how he made the choice, but yeah, he's a Steelers fan. I feel like and I, at some point I would love to have a scientific poll done on this, but I, I feel like if you polled every Louisvillian's favorite NFL team, like Bengals probably number one, would yeah. you agree? The, mm-hmm. the proximity helps a lot. For sure. You have, I mean, Some people will like the Titans, some people like the Colts, but I, I, I almost think that the Steelers would be number two. In this area, I feel like I know more Steelers fans than I know like uh, Titans fans and Colts fans. I don't know, just because you know more, I would, I would, yeah, I know say, it's it's anecdotal. I would say Tennessee and Colts for sure would be two, three. I think you're probably right, but I feel like there are a ton of Steelers fans around here. I mean, that's everywhere though, across it's, the country. It's true. But like, I, I know just like again, in my per like Mary's her extended family, like a bunch of them are gigantic Steelers fans. I've got two close friends who are big-time Steelers fans. I just feel like I see a lot of Steelers love around here. I mean, shoot, when I was living in Jacksonville, there were three different bar-slash-restaurants for game day watches for Steelers. They are a big sidewalk fan base. Yeah. I wonder who would be, if we're if we're assuming that's true, if the top four, the most four-followed franchises here locally are Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Tennessee, and then maybe Pittsburgh. Who do you think is five? Maybe Ooh. Cowboys, maybe? 
Oh, Packers, no. Packers have a lot of love. I'll, I'll tell you right now who number five is, and it's because of one player. And you know who number oh, five is, Oh, you're right. Too. You're right. It's Baltimore. Exactly. Baltimore may be ahead of, but, you know, I meant more in terms of, like, lifelong fans, you know? I would say if we had to name another one, I would probably go with probably Packers just because their Packers. fans are everywhere, too. Yeah. I, I think it's Packers. Yeah. I know a lot of Packers fans, too. <sighs> Best of luck to them. <laughs> Hope we don't play. I mean, my next door neighbors are well, the 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 wife and her entire family are gigantic Packers fans. Like they have parties every single weekend, and the husband's a Bears fan. So which I feel bad because the Packers just been kind of owning the Bears since we moved into the house together. Like, but you know, I, I feel like I know just a ton of Packers fans, and I don't want to lose them because I feel like I'm gonna have to to hear it from them all the time. Oh so. well, if if the Lions and Packers end up playing, Mike, you have to bet their mortgage, right? Yeah, I guess that's mortgage true. versus mortgage. Bills just scored again, by the way. Yeah, Josh Allen ran for like 110 yards. Not even possible, but he did it. <laughs> Bills now lead, pending the extra point. 21 nothing, and now he just 21 nothing officially. Uh, he yeah, he leads Buffalo in passing and rushing right now. Yeah. He's the – I think they put a stat up earlier. He's the only player in NFL history to average 250 passing yards and 50 rushing yards in playoffs. That's rough. Not looking good for your Steelers. No. I don't know if they have the offense to get No, the in. good news is I don't have to pay attention to it for the rest of the night. It's true. It's, it, We're going to be done here in 20 minutes or so, and I won't have to think about it. There you go. Uh, playoffs roll on. Tonight, 8-15 ESPN slash ABC. Eagles-Bucks will be the last game of the first round, and then we'll move ahead to the divisional round. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line if you got thoughts on this or Cardinal Athletics or anything else going on. Let us know. We'll get a little loose these last 20 minutes. Why not? Let's have some fun. Let's do it. It's a holiday, for God's sake. Texas says, why did Mike Woodson go like looking from Steve Harvey in a suit to dressing like a 7th grade gym teacher? Is this something that happened? I... Not familiar? Did he dress? Da- Maybe he dressed down for the game on Friday. I don't know. He does do that from time to time. He'll he'll wear like suit for two or three games in a row, and then he'll he'll do like the warm up jumper. This is also Brad Underwood guy. He said, "I said realistic candidate learned to read. We did read that. I think that Brad Underwood still is not necess- he's not even close oh, to me, being the second most successful." I was looking candidate. for this guy. Let me let me Google that uh, area code. Well, yeah. See if it's one of his family members. It might be. Oh no, Cleveland. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't have family in Cleveland. No one. Still closer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, realistic. If you're saying Brown was the second most successful realistic coaching candidate, I don't think that's even remotely true either. 502-414-1450. Texas, I get legacy-wise, Matt Stafford's Super Bowl and the Rams is a bigger deal, but man-to-man, I respect Jared Goff more for the, the Lions' first playoff win in 30 years. This is something we talked about on the show for a while, Like, and it's it, it's, you know, it's silly to say if you take the Super Bowl away, but if you did, if the Rams had just lost in the Super Bowl, I think you can make the case that like the Lions might wind up getting the better out of this trade. And if the Lions did, by some crazy sequence of events, win the Super Bowl this year, I think you could definitely make the case they've gotten the better of the trade. Like Goff has been good; they've he's done more for the franchise probably to make them better than than Stafford has with the Rams. The Rams were pretty dismal last year; they got hot this year, but it's been kind of a it's been a win for both franchises. Goff was dead in L.A. Stafford, it didn't seem like was ever going to get over the hump in Detroit, and they've uh, I think they've both been kind of the better for their new homes. So it's rare that you see a trade work out this well for both teams, right? And I think that both teams I think would 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 take it at this point. But yeah, Super Bowl is the ultimate trump card. The only trade I can think of, and we have to go to a different sport. It would be the trade or the Halliburton and Sabonis trade that the Pacers and Kings made. That's worked out really well for both sides. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Although Halberton just got hurt, didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. Yeah, I guess last week. Yeah, which sucks. But he's been he's been unreal. He has. Um, I'm trying to think of the best mutually beneficial trades in sports history. I'm sure there has to be some some other ones, right? Like, what, what are we what are we missing? I don't know. I can't think of any. You have to look. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any either. Texas, how many playoff games uh, will be streamed on Peacock next year? Yeah, the the Peacock um, the Peacock playoff numbers I know were what pretty staggering. Is that how it ended up being like a? Of course, these guys will never say it's a failure, but they ended up saying it was like a wild success. Did you have any streaming issues? N- no, I didn't either. But did, I, I did heard people have streaming streaming. Yeah, issues? I heard people complaining about it, but I I thought it was pretty flawless. I don't understand the whole. Like, there were a lot of uh, – I'm reading the story now. It looks like NBC tried to brag about the streaming numbers for Peacock and fans didn't want to hear is the big headline that I'm seeing from Sports Illustrated. So I guess maybe it wasn't as much of a success as they were saying. They said 23 million viewers tuned in. Um, Fans weren't quite so ecstatic. Fans on social media weren't fans of NBC boasting its record-setting ratings after the game, and they voiced their complaints on Twitter. Uh, I mean – it's the most streamed game ever, 23 million viewers. Yeah, fans would be upset, but like that's still, I think, pretty impressive. Like, NBC got what it wanted. That's exactly what they want. They don't care if, if your fans are upset. I also don't understand why fans are this upset about it. Like, If you really wanted to watch the game, it's $5.99, and you get a free month, I think, if you right. haven't signed up with Peacock before, and you can very much cancel it. The only thing that I, I can buy is fans getting upset that because they, this was so successful, they feel like it's going to keep happening with different streaming services and the people who gave in, you're opening the door for the NFL to put, you know, now the, the NFC championship on a streaming service where people will have to pay for it. And I would say to that, like, what part of the NFL just doing whatever it wants for the last 20 years have you not been following? Like, they they, they know they've got the sports world and the American public, basically, by the ass, and they, they can do whatever they want. Like, they... Oh, you don't like the officiating? These terrible calls that are deciding games? If they don't change anything, are you going to tune in next week? Of course you are. The, the numbers say it. Like, What was it? the stat? In 2022, 95 of the well, I guess 73 of the most watched, 100 watched programs on American television were NFL games. Mm-hmm. And I think 22 of the other ones were college football games. So like, football is dominating American sports. It's dominating American pop culture. They can do absolutely whatever they want, and you know if you want to be frustrated by it, you can be frustrated by it, but it it ain't changing. So there's that. Yeah, greedy move by the NFL, of course. Do you, do you, do you have you doing the the NFL was wholesome before this? What are you doing? Texas, I got no sympathy for Peacock TV viewing malcontents. Everyone should have gotten a Peacock subscription to watch the MacGruber TV series. Get it together, people. Totally agree. To watch what? The MacGruber TV series. MacGruber's mm. hilarious. The movie's great. The TV series was way better than I ever thought it was going to be. We you, we got Peacock. I think I got it to watch MacGruber, actually, and then we canceled it for like, like a, a year and a half. We got it when my wife and I just started watching Vanderpump Rules, when it like, took over the world last spring. And it was, uh, it was worth it. Just kept it around. Now we have it. It's great. Vanderpump Rules. If you want to feel better about your life, watch those people. They're insane. It's a reality. It's a reality show. I had friends who had started watching it like several years ago, and I made fun of them for watching it. And then I saw like it took over. Like, there was a huge thing that happened last spring, at the end of the last season. Like everybody was talking about it, and we were like, "All right, we'll give it a chance." After the first two episodes, I was like, "Okay, I haven't watched a bad reality show in a long time. I'm hooked. This is great. It's wonderful. This is just what I need to turn off my brain 
and just watch some stupid stuff. Guilty pleasure for sure, but I enjoyed it. The whole series was great. Texture says, um, I was at the game Saturday. The fans were awesome. I firmly believe that Payne needs to go, but I really want these players to win. I love the freshmen on this team. Tyler needs to start at point guard. I do wonder if we'll see Tyler back in the starting lineup on Wednesday night, especially since we're playing North Carolina. What about Trey? I think Trey, I mean, at some point you've got to get Danilo out of the starting lineup. Danilo, well, and Hersey. Did they both start on Saturday? They both started on Saturday. And, just and, don't understand that. And like I said, you know, we fell behind 12 nothing. That basically cost us the game. And it was those were the only minutes that Hersey and, and Danilo played. I still think you can find a role for Hersey. I think he should play every now. He doesn't need to start. Like that was that that felt like an overcorrection. And I don't know if it was because Tyler wasn't doing what he wanted him to do in practice or something like that. But Tyler very clearly injects more life into this team when he's on the floor than Hersey does. Hersey's a little bit of a ball stopper. He plays hard. Uh, he's a decent enough shooter, and he plays pretty good on ball defense. But he's not. He his benefits are outweighed by Tyler's benefits. So I think you have to have Tyler back in, in the starting lineup on Wednesday. And I would like to see Trey back in for for Danilo. Those two guys just aren't giving you a ton. But the crowd was great. I do like seeing the players seem to be very very invested. Sky Clark had a, had a tweet on Saturday about how much it meant to. Which by the way, Sky Clark blocked blocked me on Twitter after that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I even said anything about Scott Clark, <clears throat> but he had a he had a tweet on Saturday about how you know, the, 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 how much it meant to the him to see the fans turning out the way that they did and being so loud and how you know we're we're working so hard and we're trying to turn a corner and I actually saw like somebody quote tweeted the Scott Clark tweeted today and I couldn't see it I'm like what's going on and he I saw that he blocked me on Twitter which I'm fine with you I need mean, to know what it says no it's okay okay. But, but thank you. You got, I, I, you got a workaround? Well, I saw it. That's how I know I got blocked over the weekend because I saw it when he initially said it after the game. I don't, and, and like, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm like, oh, I hate Scott Clark now because he, I, I totally get why if I'm a player, I would block out a lot of people or just not yeah. look at a lot of the stuff that's out there. And for me personally, like, I, I try to make it a point not to target kids and say, like, you know, I think Trey White sucks or I think this guy sucks or whoever. I think you have to be more pointed than that. But you also, if somebody makes a bad play and it's a big part of the game, like you have to say it. Like you, you kind of have to talk about it. And so, you know, I, I think maybe what he got upset with was I, I made a point to say, which I agree, I still believe this, at a, a, a big part of it, it was a bad time late in the game for, for Trey White and Sky Clark. I don't think I even mentioned them by name. I think I said our two big transfers to make kind of, try to make individual plays and have two empty possessions, which is is true. I think those two possessions cost us a real shot to win that game. And if he took issue with that and doesn't want to see it, that's totally fine. I totally understand. If I'm if I'm a college player right now, I'm probably just I'm muting every sports writer, fan, whatever, and just you know, get the negativity out. Totally get it. Texas, I'm glad that uh, Mississippi State is Wednesday and not Tuesday. That game really worries me. I'm assuming that's a KRC text. Uh, KRC. KRC text. Uh, is that who, I guess, Kentucky plays next? Yeah. They should handle Mississippi State. Right? Not a lot of uh, offense. I would think, yeah. And I think it's at home. They've got, who do they have coming up? They, Mississippi State is a good defensive team. Chris Jans is a good defensive coach. That'll be, if, if it's at home, though, I think Kentucky should win. Georgia sucks. They should beat them. South Carolina away will, be, South Carolina away is always a tough game for them. And this South Carolina team is, is better than most recently. That could be a little bit tricky. Um, and then Arkansas, I don't know if Arkansas is going to figure this out. They are they are down bad. Mm-hmm. And LLS is not even playing for them. They're getting blown out by teams, and he's not even seen the floor. And then they get Tennessee. So uh, I forgot Kentucky's playing the game against Gonzaga this year, too, in February. 
So they got to, yeah. Uh, they get a little hot here during the stretch. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Texture says, uh, Scoots, I thought you did a good job on the Shire tease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the Lions suck. Go, Pack, go. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, I, I had it all planned out, too. Man. What a bummer. You did just kind of jump in there. I was like, I was like, I hope he knows who he's setting up here. Because then you started talking to ACC, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he's reading the wrong name. But it was a good breakdown prior to that, if it was the right coach. It, it, yeah, it was, it was solid. It was a solid tease. It was just the wrong guy. <laughs> which, you know. It happens. It happens, now I, I guess. But now I know, moving forward, I know which column to look in. So, yeah, yeah. we'll try again. Texas says the, that nine and six dude is addled, and I know because I'm still married to him. The question I would have is how and where the wins are attained. Talking about going nine and six the rest of the season. Opposition having a bad shooting night. Opposition missing players to injury. We're having a good night. Opposing coaches wanting out of his contract. The job is to be a coach. I don't see a lot of coaching being done on these sidelines. I feel like the Yum Center and downtown Louisville cannot afford another fiscal year of this garbage. Yeah, the whole talking about the hypotheticals where he, you know, we, we finished the year eleven and four or nine and six. That was, I mean, that all came up because you were like, "What would it take for you to feel to be on board with like a, a third year?" And I, I think I said something drastic, and you're like, "What's something drastic?" And I think eleven and four would be something drastic because even with us playing better the last two games, from what we've seen out of this team, I, I don't think they can play this way and be this pour us on defense and win nine or 11 games out of these last 15 like it would take some market improvement and something that you could point to and say like Kenny Payne a lot of development here they got better as the year went on you can see things clicking with this team maybe the system did work all along and it was just the players and and now we're reaping the benefits I don't think that's going to happen it, like the more likely scenario is just what the texts are saying talking about it, where wins are going to come from moving forward is I think opposition having a bad shooting night, just missing a ton of outside shots, us shooting out of our minds, and stuff like that. Like, like the Miami game on Wednesday, and again, I, I don't want to just crap on the fact that we beat a good team on the road. The, the kids deserve praise. They played well. They played hard. They were the better team. They deserved to win. Having said that, Miami missed a ton of open shots. Their three best players are all dealing with injuries. Uh, Pat got hurt in the game. Poplar was coming back for the first time, and, and O'Meara's been dealing with a, a nagging injury. And they looked like they just could not care less for most of the night. It was I, – I get why Larinago was so disappointed in the effort. So like, while it was great to win that game, against the other good teams in the ACC, I, I think you can't just assume that they're going to give the same types of efforts and you're going to have the same types of intangibles that, are, that, that, that were at play on Wednesday night. So while I am encouraged by the steps this team has taken forward in recent weeks, I still – am hesitant to be like they're gonna go out there and win seven or eight more games I just don't really see it again we're talking about still a six-point loss to a whatever NC State team on our home floor it was a step it was better it was an improvement but that's more reflective of just how bad things have been than it is hey these guys are turning a corner and we're gonna be good and things are all hunky-dory sunshine rainbows all that stuff Texas says, I couldn't put my finger on it until now, but Scoots is a character from the Andy Griffith show. I've never seen it, which makes this even more uncanny. How, how do you know? <laughs> I'd be okay with that. That's I mean, better than, uh, was it Marvin the Martian and Kermit the Frog? I mean, you'd have to be Opie, but like you're like you're in your 30s. I've never seen Andy Griffith's show. I saw a few growing up. It's too, isn't it black and white? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just can't do the black and white. It's more white I've, than black. I've tried. I've tried and tried, but I just can't. 
I need some color. Mm. <laughs> Texas says there. Rest of my dating life too. <laughs> Texas says, "Well, how about Cam Ward declaring for the NFL draft and then out of nowhere taking a couple mil to go to the U?" That's a, a big news from over the weekend. I mean, Cam Ward, a guy that we were reportedly pursuing. I think every major co- college program was pursuing, and he, you know, I think Florida State was waiting to see what he was going to do. He announces he's going to the NFL. Bam, Florida State goes out there and gets DJ Uyunglele. And then out of nowhere this weekend, Cam Ward's like, I'm going to Miami. That's a, I mean, we play Miami. That's a, that's a big deal for us as well. He makes them a much, much better team for next year. I don't think there's any question about that. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that was big time ACC news from over the weekend. We'll see if, you know, we'll see how Miami can find a way to screw up all this talent. But they tip, <laughs> they tend to do it. But Cam Ward, he's the real deal. He makes them a lot better for sure. Texas, there are more Colts fans than Titan fans around here. I think yeah, that's probably right. I'd agree with that. I mean, the dis- I wonder why that is, though, because I mean, the distance between Indianapolis is only slightly less than Nashville. Mm-hmm. Indy is like a little bit over two hours. I think Nashville is a little under three. Well, didn't Tennessee come around late? Yeah, maybe they were that's the, it. They were the Oilers right. back in the day, right? Yeah, I think that's probably right. There's a weird thing too, where when it comes to colleges and teams, like Louisvillians have more of a like an inclination to go north than they do to go south. I guess going south means going through the rest of the state, and we just don't want to do that. Well, but, if you if you feel the weather this week, then uh, maybe yeah. make the decision in the future to go south. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's God. I saw the, the I kept the the game was on NBC, and I kept it on the local news afterwards. And I was looking at some of the temperatures coming up for the next week. I was like, oh my god! Like next Saturday, it's going to be just as bad. And there's one day where the high this week is like the highest thirteen, and the lowest two. I think it was seven degrees when I came to the studio this morning. It was it was bad. Like last night, even. It changed so much. It was like bitingly cold. I had to pump gas because we were about to run out. I was like, it was just terrible. Stay I didn't even. I follow a local weather guy on Facebook. He's not like a news guy, but he does weather. And he was calling. He was basically said that our area is going to get no snow. And I go in bed to lay down, and I look outside, and our freaking driveway is covered, and my car's covered. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. So I had to deal with that this morning. Knew annoying. I had to wake up a little earlier. It was annoying. Mm-hmm. Texture says, uh, is Greg Marshall still coaching? And if so, is his wife still crazy? He's not. He, he's, really? Yeah. He, he After the Wichita State thing, he's not been in coaching since then, which I think was like four years ago, 2020. I think it was I think it was right before COVID. And that like, yeah, kinda, 2020, yeah. The, Interesting. The allegations of verbal and physical abuse came uh, out. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's been – I mean, look, that guy, like so many guys we've I feel like we've talked about on the show – Probably certifiably insane, like like just an absolute animal. I think total a hole, but a very good coach. There's no question about it. I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't resurfaced at a, I don't know, like a, a low mid major somewhere and right. try to rebuild his career. I know he's up there in age, but yeah, he's only 63. Only 63? Yeah, I, I would have guessed he was a little bit older than that. There was another guy we talked about today who was a lot younger than I anticipated, but I can't remember who that was. Uh, as far as his wife, I assume yeah, she's probably still crazy. <laughs> she was definitely crazy. Texas, I like Minnesota team total over 80 and a half versus Iowa and American minus three and a half. Okay. I made two bets earlier and parlayed them and, and won them both. It was the uh, the Penn game, took the under. Penn, doesn't, Penn never hits the over-under. I think the George Mason took the second half over. So it was a small bet, but hit. Felt good. It was nice. I haven't bet since the Miami game. Sorry. Sorry. I just can't do it. <laughs> 
Texture says, uh, this is a Jason Riley. I don't know if you think, do you see Jason Riley's tweet? The only person that trolls better than him is you. I'm dying. Riley is, is a very good troll. There's a, a the Courier Journal had a story talking about Carter Knox and saying Carter Knox 2024 target for U of L and UK waits for things to click before commitment. And Riley said, I agree with this. It's a tough call for Knox. You've got a UK team that is once again underachieving, no matter how much talent Cal has, and a U of L team on the rise and clearly turning the corner. Play it safe, and you maybe get a Sweet 16 out of UK, or you go for it and you cut down the nets with U of L. That's the choice he's got to make. <laughs> The Carter Knox thing is still, out of all the weird stuff that's happening, certainly Karan Davis is the weirdest, but the Carter Knox, out of nowhere, coming here when it looks like Kenny Payne's going to get fired, and then like the recruiting guys all saying, both nationally and locally, like this may be a shock, but like I would not be surprised if Carter Knox commits on his visit here. Everyone's like, what? And then nothing. <laughs> like There's just no follow-up, no reaction. I don't think Carter Knox ever even gave a quote about how his visit went, um, and we haven't heard anything from him since. Because the buzz has always been, it's either going to be UK or it's going to be like one of the G League options. And UK has seemed to be the front runner this entire time. And then this this story mysteriously comes out. It feels like a family favor being done for Kenny Payne. And then just no follow up whatsoever. So I, I, who knows what's going on there? If Carter Knox comes to U of L, I'd be beyond shocked for sure. Texture says. Uh, the, the, to Indianapolis is two hours and 15 each, given the constri- the 65 construction that never ends. The 65 construction sucks. The two-lane traffic going up to Indianapolis is, uh, if it's if it's busy, it's the most annoying drive of all time. The traffic in Nashville always sucks, though. I feel mm-hmm. like I, you know, I've only been to Nashville, like going straight there, I think probably four or five times, but I've driven through it a ton, and it's it never hesitates. If, if you get there after 7 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be a a lengthy if it, tr- delay. If it's taking you two hours and 15 minutes to get to Indy, you need to trade seats with your grandma and start driving because that's way too long. Yeah, I agree with that. Texas, this will be the last one. Hey, Mike, it's Ross from another day one 40-year Bengals fans. I was definitely pulling for your lines yesterday, and I'm happy that Detroit gets to host another playoff game. I think you all be giving the Buccaneers a good ass-whipping next weekend and hosting the NFC Championship game against the Packers. Go Pride. That would be so fun. That would be very cool. Uh, we do have sports tonight. We mentioned this. Uh, Eagles-Buccaneers, 8-15 on ESPN slash ABC slash ESPN Plus. At Raymond James Stadium, Philadelphia is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, Buccaneers kind of feel lucky to be here. Eagles have limped into the playoffs. Scoots, how does this one play out tonight? I think the Eagles get it done. I, I see them winning by three. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay takes a big lead early and then Eagles have to claw their way back before ultimately winning by three. I don't feel overly confident about this, but I, I'm going with the Eagles just because I feel like eventually they have to get things right. Yeah. But I've been thinking that for a while. You know, it was it, it took a lot for them not to to host a playoff game. Like like you know, it, it took a lot for them to you know they just completely fell apart. Couldn't beat bad teams down the stretch. Couldn't beat the, couldn't beat Washington. Couldn't beat New York. Whoa! By the way, touchdown Steelers, baby. A little bit of an overreaction for a 21-7 deficit, but okay. Oh. You got to start somewhere. Give me the Eagles tonight in a, a tight one. I'll say you, you know, they pull away late, 27-21. Philadelphia wins. And we get Lions-Eagles, the Rutherford TK Bowl coming your way. All uh-huh. right. Uh, everyone have a fantastic Monday night. We're back tomorrow, 3 o'clock. We'll talk to you then. Go Cards. Say I'm old-fashioned, say I'm over the hill.